Podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler free review, then jump back to the upcoming movie topics. So, uh, this is episode 368. 368. That's a that's a perfectly even, even number. Is it perfectly even? No, because a three is an odd the number. Three is not, yeah, that's, yeah, that was my thought too. It was, it was for the people that were listening uh, not so closely. I love that every episode <laughs> we have like a numerology break right at the beginning. <laughs> You know, it matters to the to the real fans. <laughs> yeah, the real fans. <laughs> what, what a dig! <laughs> what are we talking this week? We're talking. Speaking of numbers, we're talking Toy Story Four, the fourth entry in the Toy Story series, the twenty-first Pixar film, and I don't have a follow-up to that one. That those are the two things I was going to point out for those. So yeah, there we go. Joining us to talk Toy Story Four, we have from the Lambcast. He's responsible for delaying our rendezvous of Star Command. It's Jake Lewitt. Hello, I, I'm here today. My, my inner voice told me to be here. Oh, good. I listened to it. And <laughs> Did you have an external button to hear it? I do, actually. It's, it's oh, hard okay. to reach, but uh, it's kind of... I'm not going to say where it is. You don't know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, when I press it, it tells me to podcast. I press it all the time. Well, Jake, I like it. good to have you back here. Good to have you all the way from overseas to come on to our humble podcast and... <laughs> Talk about your your fandom for Toy Story. Oh, anytime. I I I, gen, I really love these films. We'll get into it, but the the first three probably the best trilogy ever made, as far as I'm concerned. Well, there you go. Well, I, I'm excited to hear what you think of this fourth one, and to hear if it's a um, a Thunderball or a or a, I had I had I had a fourth one that I was going to go with here, or a Crystal Skull. Citizens on Patrol. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah. Before we get to all, all of his stuff with the toys and them being back in town and all, let's do some uh, show notes real quick. First up, commentary track. Uh, we had a commentary track recorded for the film Alien in honor of its 30th anniversary. 40th anniversary. Sorry. <laughs> today It's today's... I, I got confused. Today's Batman's 30th anniversary. It's also Alien's 40th anniversary. That's, this, that's just, what I meant. this is just showing how old we are. I know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was just thinking of a film with Batman versus Alien. Let's do that. Gotta see it. <laughs> And it'll be a, it, it, it'd probably be Batman versus Predator, and they're like, oh no, there's aliens. Let's work together, Predator. And he's like, <laughs> and you're like, yeah, right, let's do it. <laughs> and Wait, they don't have a digital translator? No, my, mine's way. Batman gets it. He, like, oh, oh, okay. Come on. <laughs> I mean, he would. Don't you remember Alien versus Predator when like Sanaa Latham was fighting with the Predator, and he's just like, Meh, and he like puts a mark on her face, and they're like, okay, we speak to each other now. That's all we need. If Sanaa Latham no. can figure it out, no, I, I don't Batman, remember. Batman, the world's greatest detective, can figure out. That. Pretty sure that was the language of love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> International or inter- intergalactic love. How do we get on this topic? That's right, Alien, com- <laughs> Alien commentary track, which is available now on iTunes. It's a lot of fun and a lot more informative than our interpretation of Predator speak. That said, we do have commentary tracks for Batman, which are previously available. They're also on <laughs> iTunes. Uh, so yeah, go for that. Happy 30th anniversary, Tim Burton's Batman, I guess. <laughs> um, what else? Our contest is still going. Uh, if you want to win something awesome, which is a... Blu-ray copy of Destroy All Monsters, one of the best Godzilla films, along with whatever else I decided to put into a package. Uh, tell us your favorite Godzilla villain and why. 
there's plenty of monsters that Godzilla's faced off against over the years. All you have to do is tell us your favorite one, put that on our Facebook page, or tweet at us, or email us at outnotpodcast at gmail.com, any of those ways, and we will select from a random number of entries and pick the winner. So yeah. Would uh, you accept Kevin Dunn? Hmm? Kevin Dunn? Kevin Dunn is oh, a Godzilla villain. Kevin Dunn from from Roland Emmerich's Godzilla. Yes, from the greatest Godzilla film. <laughs> I mean, I'd accept that. I'd be more on like Michael Harry Lerner. Shearer. I'd be more like Michael Lerner, Michael Lerner as as yeah. Mayor e- Mayor Ebert <laughs> and his assistant with his sidekick Gene. Gene. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, we're giving you to the end of the month. Um, and so you got another week or so to, to put in your entry there. But yeah, uh, if you want to win something pretty cool and by a very easy way of just entering a thing, go for it. Uh, what else? Summer Gamble Talk. Guys, all of us are a part of the Summer Gamble, which is where we predicted the top 10 highest grossing films of the summer. Correct. And at the domestic box office. Things have been shaky as far as the domestic totals of films recently uh, regardless of quality and regardless of how that affects our own scores but that said we all made certain picks and this week toy story enters the fray uh, it opened with 118 million which is a bit lower than expectations um but for me it just seems like it's perfectly fine as a third place <laughs> compared to whatever lion king's gonna make until lion king like lion king spectacularly fails in all of us uh, but we'll see uh but yeah I think we all have Toy Story fairly high in our rankings, as expected. Um, but yeah, Jay, you're here for the first time, and you're you're a part of our our summer gamble. Any, yeah, any, I feel any like regrets? I, I have my I have my regular <laughs> handicap of not being in the same country, uh, but that still doesn't excuse what the hell I was thinking putting ugly dolls on my list. Uh, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, can't explain well, what happened there. If it, uh, it if it just goes bonkers over in the UK. Maybe well, we'll give you an extra two points. Yes, that's the thing. You're only counting domestic. If you were to count with domestic for Rocky Dolls, it's currently 20 million. If you were to count like, international, you're looking at 21 million. <laughs> and I think <laughs> that extra one... <laughs> it matters. I, I was going to say happened. that as the joke answer to what you're going for, and that actually is the number 21. <laughs> 21.6, so I, I cheated funny. myself out of a point six there. But still, yeah. Uh, and I put that in the 10th spot. That's a high ranking spot i got no chance i just i don't know what i i i fluked my way into second place a couple of years back yeah. and ever since then it's just been just been failure i think well you know you can't yeah. win them all that's what abe says <laughs> um and he proves it every year sure i've never won either so i've gotten close so it's okay <laughs> it's a, it could be worse you could have picked both dark phoenix and men in black I generally don't know what I picked outside of Ducky Dolls. You, you might have picked Men in Black and Dark Phoenix, honestly. Have, I may have picked both of those. <laughs> but yeah, we still got plenty of months to go, so you know we'll see how that all turns out. What else? iTunes reviews and ratings, good to get those. If you like this nonsense and all of our nonsense, log on to iTunes, search for it now, there and Abe. Uh, give us a show a uh, you know a couple a couple stars, preferably five, and a written review. That'd be great too. Hopefully, not a couple stars. Yeah, it'd be nice to get more than a couple stars. Yeah, if you like it, feel free to to add something to it. Thank we, you so much. We should put those on the posters we don't have. It'd be nice to get more than a couple stars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. What? Uh, I think that that's it. That's it for show notes. Let's move on now. Let's get to know everybody. We each week we ask each other a question or two. Try to set the tone for the podcast and better get to know no, everybody. everybody. That was great. Was it? Yes. Okay, I believe you. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question for you guys. Okay. There's a separate question that's more specific later on in our feedback section, but I will ask this now. 
which of the Toy Story toys would you want to have? Oh. Not necessarily your favorite toy, but which mm -hmm. one would you just want to have? I mean, I, I have some of them. <laughs> uh, so I already have Rex because uh, Rex is my favorite because he's the dinosaur. So of course I like Rex. That's almost that's my answer, Jay. Uh, but I don't know. can we count new ones? Sure. Duke Kaboom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Duke Kaboom. Um, he's Canada's greatest number because uh, he 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 <laughs> doesn't live up to the uh, the commercial, but he still does does stuff. He still like can jump off of a thing and he's poseable cool poses yeah exactly yeah I, i've got a bunch of little lego minifigs like set up on my podcasting office and i tend to play with them and fill them and repose them whilst i'm recording i'm not doing it right now but i will be later probably and <laughs> like i could do that with him i could just pose him into different different things and fiddle with him he's like a uh one of those fiddle things i can't remember the name of uh fidget spinner uh but a poseable jumping fidget spinner called duke boom I'd probably also choose Duke Kaboom now that I'm thinking about it, because I do like the, like, I never, because, you know, we're older, we never had, like, evil, or younger, we never had evil Knievel toys back in the day, which Duke Kaboom is an obvious, like, reference to, uh, but I think that'd be fun, have a cool, like, motorcycle toy that you can wind up and what have you, and have it go for ramps, and have it be very, you know, neurotic about itself. <laughs> kind of disappointing, a little bit. I mean, only if you expected to live up to the commercials. This is true, which I did. I didn't. I wasn't a Rashawn type, but you know, I did remember those commercials being very good. Did you have a toy you wanted? I, I, I was a big fan of Rex Two. Rex Two? They got a Rex Two Point That's correct. Yeah, with longer arms this time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You got a question, dude? I do have a question for you guys. The question is, given the the current status of today, who is actually much more of like a leader? Would it be Woody or Buzz? Huh. Um. Because mm -hmm. it feels like the reins are passed. What are you? To, are you? What do you say today? What do you mean today? To just wherever you are, whatever your political uh, leanings and what so have you. Be like real world, who would be a better leader? Not necessarily real world. I mean, just in today's environment. To be that's not just real world. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not, that's... How, however you interpret it is how you interpret it. I mean, in in a military context, it would probably be Buzz, just because he's right. got the whole Starker Man thing. But in a police context, it would be Woody, because he's a chef. I don't understand the question, <laughs> babe. <laughs> sure, in, in, in real world. <laughs> in real they're, world, they're, they're both toys. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> in real world, it's Andy or Bonnie or whomever. Yeah. Who do you think is a better leader in general? Then. Um, Buzz never really gets the chance to lead, and I don't. He does go and save Woody in in, yes, in part in, suppose, two. Yeah. And yes, he does. You're, you're right. Uh, I think Woody is more of a team player and kind of relies on everyone's strengths to get something done. Buzz just kind of heads off and expects people to follow him. So I would say Woody is a better leader, but also acts more selfishly at times. So neither of them should be in charge, is my answer. <laughs> I'm leaning on Buzz, um, if I'm like practically going to answer this question. I do think he's he's probably more issue-minded uh, as opposed to having a singular focus that is good, good-intentioned. 
Yeah, that, that sounds right. I'm I thinking, like I like the divisiveness here. I'm, I'm thinking more of the first film where he's like he's like he's fixing he's like doing the troll's hair. He's fixing the tracks on the one <laughs> toy. Like he seems like he's you know he's, he's dividing he's, the. He's world. working out with like, the strong guy. He's working out with the strong guy. Like it seems like he's a real people person. <laughs> Or like well, interacting about today's environment, it's just like I don't think like do-gooder is the one that's getting ahead at this point. <laughs> Good answers both around. Uh, I'm pretty neutral, so uh, yeah, I like it. Like Rex has, or not Rex, uh, like Slink has like a folksy charm, so it's like yeah, I don't know how far that's gonna get. Rex is not gonna work, obviously. Potato Head, I mean, there's a segment that I think would respond to Potato Head, but I'm not sure if that'd be the thing. Ham is too snide. I mean, it just wouldn't work. I mean, Jesse wouldn't work for just because America is a weird way. Uh, I mean, <laughs> there's, this, there's well, it's too late because he gave her a pin. <laughs> Spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that yeah. out of the way, that's how you play. Never know everybody. No. Jumped right did. in on that one, Abe. No. <laughs> All right, let's move on now. Let's get down to cookies. Yep. Each we're out now. We have a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of about. What have you seen recently? However, I kind of just want to talk about Always Be My Maybe because that was a movie where people were like, hey, it's really good. You should see it because you're Asian. And I was like, I think that's a little bit not what you should say, right. but... People say that to you? Uh, oh one, person said that to, one person said that to me, and I was like, <laughs> he's a good friend of mine, but still, it's more just like, I don't know if you should go around saying it that way. Uh, but all of maybe, I, I think it's actually just okay. I, I don't think it was it was as amazing as what this guy was saying. Um, and I, I'm kind of in agreement with some of my other friends where it's just... You know, uh, it serves its purpose. I think that there's some storyline elements that move fairly quickly um, within it, and I think Randall Park is is the MVP of the movie. Uh, he's he's got the funny things to say, but he's also got like the the some of the more like dramatic arcs. Uh, Ali Wong is great too, but I think uh, Randall just like by a smidge uh, out and I just at the at the end of the race uh, for MVP. The only thing I pointed out to you was that his father is played by the Shredder, which I was like, oh yeah, that's great. This is something that you did point out to me, and I was like, now the movie's even better. Yeah, we talked about it last week. We we, we had fun. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to bring up? Nope, not for now. Not for now? (laughs) Later on? Yep, yeah, just uh, (laughs) randomly. Saving something for next week? I, I maybe <laughs> loaded up the guns. Did you see Men in Black? I did, but I don't want to really talk about it because you guys already <laughs> talked about. It. We already talked about always be my maybe. You don't want to say anything about Men in Black? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Not good. There you go. That's all I yeah. wanted to hear. I wanted to know what you thought. <laughs> I don't know what you thought. <laughs> like always be my maybe on Netflix. Men in Black in theaters. Don't have to see it. All right. <laughs> Jay, what have you seen recently? Uh, I, I've not seen many new releases recently because um, they've all had pretty terrible reviews. So I've just kind of been staring clear. Like I haven't, I haven't seen Aladdin, haven't seen uh, Men in Black or most of the stuff that's out this week or at the moment. So um, I said I watched a film uh, from 2007 uh, called Fermat's Room. Mm. Uh, which, I don't know how I came across this film. 
uh, or how, I'd never, I don't know how I heard about it, um, but it's described as being a combination between Saw and uh, Darren Aronofsky's Pi. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> it's a Spanish film uh, directed by uh, Luis Piedrahita and Rodrigo Sopeña. I apologize if I mispronounce those names. And it's uh, kind of Saw with more maths. Uh, it's it's four mathematicians uh, invited to us kind of to discuss an enigma or to solve an enigma at a retreat, and they get there, and they're kind of locked in a room, and they're given puzzles, and if it takes longer than a minute to solve the puzzle, the walls start to creep in, oh. and the room gets smaller. <laughs> um, and it's a strange little film um, that I wouldn't overly recommend. <laughs> it's uh, mainly because, well, the reason I saw it, I really like maths. I'm that kind of person. Mm-hmm. And so I, I went you, into you're thinking, a true oh, this fan. Is... Yeah, I assume you probably appreciate our numerology segments at the beginning I of every episode. Love... <laughs> I was biting my tongue at the start when you were like <laughs> discussing your numerology. Like, next week, you should have joined nine. in. Yeah. <laughs> well, ne- next week is 369. That's 3 plus 3 plus 3. Mm-hmm. three six, nine. It's just. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I like numbers. Uh, and I was disappointed by the lack of maths in Fermat's room. Uh, there was some, um, but not enough for me. Uh, it was uh, enough for a normal person potentially, uh, where they would pose a problem, and they, 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 the way they get out of the, of the the way they solve the enigma is they kind of text the response back on this phone that they have, and it needs to be a word for word response. And if it's correct, then the enigma kind of the room stops closing in. And one of them is a variation on the uh, three liter, five liter jugs of water from mm-hmm. Die Hard with a Vengeance. It's a variation. It's not the same thing, but it's, it's close to that. Where they need to send a response to how they would times something correctly and the response to that would be like a sentence or a couple of sentences how they would do it and they managed to do it first time in a couple of seconds and they never actually explain what it is they're typing mm. and there's other problems that they just throw out an answer to and never really explain how they got there not enough working out they don't show they're working uh, so I, I went into this for the for the math side of it and i was disappointed by the lack of it and also it kind of bottles it towards the end on its premise uh, in a similar way to Escape Room did earlier this year. I was about year. to mention Escape Room, where yeah. I think the the Escape Room stuff of that movie is quite good, and then it just like rushes through the ending. I was like, well, yeah, I liked the I liked the bulk of this. I guess. <laughs> There's uh, a film from 2009 that I would recommend that's kind of similar but different, called uh, Exam, by a guy called Stuart Hazeldean. It's a, a British film about oh. eight eight people who go to. Uh, interview for a job and it's, they've got to pass an exam to get the job and I won't say any more than that because it takes some turns uh, mm. but I'd really recommend that one and it's got Colin Salmon in it from oh. uh, some Bond films um, and a bunch of other people that I don't know what they're in uh, kind of oh, Jimmy Mystery from The Guru <laughs> and Je- oh yeah Gemma Chan actually she's in it as well uh, she was uh, in uh, Crazy Rich Asians and other things um, but yeah so I'd rather watch Exam don't watch Fermat's Room alright <laughs> well very cool. Let's see. Unlike Abe, I have plenty of things that I've seen that I'm going to talk about. Um, <laughs> ben and Black's not a good movie. <laughs> why would I? Why would I even want to mention it even, again? Because you didn't mention it at all. Sorry, <laughs> so sorry. That's why. I, I shouldn't say. I shouldn't say that. I should say Men in Black International is not a good movie. Because Men in Black is a it. great movie. You might have loved Men in Black International. As speaking as a listener, we don't know Abe until you tell us. Mm-hmm. This is this is true. true. This is one not one of those uh, modes of show. Don't tell. Yeah, speaking of your speaking of your co-host, I didn't know, so yeah, <laughs> I was very curious. There, there was probably an inkling of what you thought I was leaning toward. Well, yeah, it's not like any of us were super huge fans of Men in Black International at the same time. It's just too much to talk about Men in Black International. 
Did you like the beard alien? Mm. <laughs> That's my answer. <laughs> All right. I've seen a bunch of stuff. I'm going to go over it. Uh, first up, Child's Play, the remake of Child's Play. Yeah. Uh, keep in mind that I don't generally say this too often because I don't tend to be too hyperbolic. I hated this movie. Um, wow. I, 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 was, I was not a fan. Um, going in, I was trying to be as open-minded as possible because... I've shared my annoyance with its existence, mainly because the original Child's Play series from Don Mancini featuring Brad Dourif is still going. Like, it's an ongoing series um, that's about to start a new, like, TV show that's spinning off from its last film, Cult of Chucky. Um, So the idea that they're remaking it is like having Never Say Never Again open alongside the current run of Bond films. It's like, why are we we doing this? (laughs) We still still have this other thing over here. but that said, like I didn't go, I didn't make it to my screenings. The embargo broke, and reviews were surprisingly not terrible. So I was like, well, I'm, I was gonna see this just to see it, and now I'm like, well, I don't know what to think. Is it gonna be good? Is it gonna be bad? Um, I made it to the film and was not happy. It's a combination of things. I but one is it's very lazy in how it kind of handles stuff. I I didn't dislike the premise. Where it initially starts, like the the first film is like he, Brad Dourif's character uses voodoo to become the doll. In this one, that's his body. Yeah, or yeah. his mind. Exactly. In this one, it's not that at all. It's just AI. Like the doll is AI, and it basically Abe. It's like it's like oh. it's like the Treehouse of Horror uh, with the Krusty doll, where just someone flicks the evil switch. Like that's. Well, you get a free Froger. Yeah, but the Froger has you know bad things in it, so it's, it's bad. Is that good or bad? It's bad. Well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the doll's just evil because of bad programming. Uh, but regardless, like the, that premise is fine. And there's things in it where I'm like, I, I can understand why you would make these choices and I could even admire it, but it just is, it's handled so lazily and then it becomes mean in terms of how certain things take place. And then there's things that happen that just upset me on like a personal level. So I just started hating the movie. So I, I was not a fan. Uh, I, I, <laughs> this... Wait, wait. Let me let me ask you a point of clarification. If it's a technical thing that makes Chucky go evil, aren't there more Chucky's that are affected? No, it's very specific what happened. Like it's right at the beginning. It's not a like, small soldier situation. It, yeah, <laughs> it's not. Yeah, it's not a small soldier. Yeah, they don't they don't plant militarized chips in there, and they're like, I didn't think about the ramifications of this. No, it's <laughs> Jamer more, is not behind this. No, it's literally like it starts with like there's a commercial for the thing. And it's like, you know, this company seems to own everything. Then they cut to, like, a sweatshop in Vietnam where they're making these dolls. I'm not kidding. And there's a disgruntled employee who gets yelled at by his boss. He's like, okay, screw this. And he starts reprogramming one specific doll to be evil. And then, Got he, kills, it. And then he kills himself. Um, so it's... Also, beyond, like, this thing, problems I have with the movie, the doll is the ugliest doll. It, oh, in a way, man, that's like, you really hated this movie. But I mean, that's not. That, I can't even think that's subjective. Uh, no one. There's no world where this doll that looks like this would have been product tested to be like, "Yep, that's gonna sell millions." And then, and then the world in the world of this film, people are like, you know, acting like it's a tickle me Elmo. There's a dated reference, and like, and and waiting at the doors, <laughs> pawing at each other, trying to get their hands on one of these dolls before they sell out. It is the ugliest doll. Like the Chuck, the original Chucky doll, like. I can buy it. I can understand why people would want that toy. Like, it just, it looks like a doll you'd probably want to have. It looks like a My Buddy in me. Like, that's what it was going for. It was trying to spoof that thing. This doll is just so, like, heinously different, ugly. It's just like, oh, God. No one, no one's dr- buying this in droves and wanting it to be the best-selling thing 
that you can, that you could have for your child slash be an act as like a Siri for your house. It's so it's or an Alexa, but whatever. Uh, yeah, wasn't a fan of Child's Play. Um, what I, else? I saw Midsummer. This is the new film from Ari Aster, uh-huh. uh, who did Hereditary last year. Um, I was quite a fan of this movie. I definitely think it's going to get a low cinema score and leave a lot of audiences being like, well, I didn't need to see that because uh, it just it doesn't it's not it's not a film that plays to today's kind of sensibilities when it comes to general audiences and horror like it's not a jump scare fest it's a two hour and 20 minute cult movie uh where things are inevitably going going to happen and it looks very good um as far as like its production value and what have you but it's not about jumps a minute and everything it's more layering intention and showing you certain things and what have you um but i think it's very well constructed i think it's very well directed the acting is uh, particularly from Florence Pugh, who was in Fighting with My Family earlier this year. She's very good in this movie as the lead. Um, there's a lot to recommend. I, I I think for horror fans, even if even though you know what you're going to get if you've just seen other movies about cults before, like there's so much good going on in this as far as its construction and the things that Ari Aster does with his direction, I think it's very worthwhile. Hmm. Um, let's see. I saw The Farewell. That was a movie with Aquafina. That was a hit at Sundance. It's coming out mm-hmm. in July. I'm not going to say too much about it. I'm just going to say it's very good. It's a very good movie. Glad uh, to hear. Yeah. And the last thing I'll mention, uh, Rolling Thunder Review, a Bob Dylan story by Martin Scorsese. This is on Netflix now. It's a documentary about the Bob Dylan tour, uh, Rolling Thunder Review, where he and a bunch of musicians got together in the 70s and just went on this America-wide tour. And... If you know a thing or two about Martin Scorsese, he's a pretty good director, um, and his and his documentaries are very good. And this is another very good documentary about Martin Scorsese. Uh, it's it, there's a lot of like well done like editing work to kind of get you in the zone of this thing. Where even if you're not a Bob Dylan fan or an aficionado or someone that you know understands the '70s culture and music culture, what have you. That's not really a fact. Like, I'm not a huge... I, I, I don't know too many things about, you know, this kind of environment beyond, like, what I've seen and what I've read about. So, like, watching a movie that has just footage from this time mixed with interviews that are both real and some kind of staged for, like, dramatic effect, which I think is interesting. There's just a lot here. to like re- It's very watchable. It's like a concert movie and a documentary and just, like, a neat examination of Bob Dylan's persona like all of those things just makes it just a great watch i was just really into this and yeah so that's on netflix now there you go there you go all right that's enough quickies yeah let's move on now let's get to our trailer talk where we talk about one of the newest movie trailers of the week what we thought of it when it's coming out what have you this week we're talking onward the first of two pixar movies that are coming out in 2020 um this one stars Tom Holland and Chris Pratt. I'm going to read the Wikipedia synopsis here. It says, The film is set in a suburban magical world populated with elves, trolls, mermaids, centaurs, fawns, satyrs, gnomes, spirits, goblins, and other mythical creatures, while unicorns are vermin and dragons are pets. Two teenage elf brothers, Ian and Barley Lightfoot, embark on a quest to discover there is still magic in the world in order to spend one day with their father, who passed away years ago. All that Spoiler mind. alert! It's the general premise. All that in mind. The film also features Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Octavia Spencer. Uh, Jay, what did you think of the trailer for Onward? Uh, I think it, it looks good. It's a Pixar film, so the animation's uh, on point. But I, I have some concerns. Uh, I have two concerns. Uh, my first one is that it's it's kind of a, an alternative history or alternative reality 
film and the last one of those that Pixar did was The Good Dinosaur which to date is my most disappointing film ever of all films ever made (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I was really looking forward to it, I don't know if you realised earlier I really like dinosaurs, I also really like Pixar so Pixar making a dinosaur film I was like yes, that's my most anticipated film of this year of all time, now please more and it was not good Uh, it was was, was not good Um, and it's kind of gives me vibes of the good dinosaur just just initially and my other concern is that they've cast two big names in the in the leads they've got chris pratt pixar is 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 really good at casting the right actor for the role regardless of how popular said actor is Mm -hmm. and chris pratt is like a list he from the little we've seen of him in the trailer it looks like he's the right kind of voice for the character he's playing the kind of the uh slobbish elder brother with the terrible van He's driving. That sounds, like, um, sounds like Chris Pratt to a T. It does, uh, and that's why I'm hoping that it is, it is. He is cast because he sounds right, not because it's Chris Pratt. People come see the film because it's Chris Pratt. Uh, but aside from those two concerns, I'm on board with this. Um, I will see anything Pixar does uh, if it's at least halfway decent. I will see it multiple times, um, which is why I haven't seen The Good Dinosaur multiple times. Uh, but I, I, I really like the, the whole unicorns as kind of raccoons and uh, dragons as, as kind of the dog pet kind of thing. That's that's all very cool, and they can have a lot of fun with this world, so I look forward to seeing what they do. I will note that Dan Scanlon is the director of this film. He previously did uh, Monsters University. Um, and to your point, I have not seen The Good Dinosaur more than once. I've seen Cars 2 more than once. Um, so, <laughs> Abe and I, I have not. Fam- Abe, and I, Abe and I famously fans of Cars 2. I think, I think we're the only two champions of Cars 2. <laughs> uh, I'm very open to seeing Cars 2 again. I've only seen it once. I didn't think much of it, but I would like to give it a second shot, if only for Michael Caine. It's not like we say it's top tier. At the same time, we had fun. Yeah. <laughs> still, still questions about how the world works, but, you know, it's yeah. fun. Oh, yeah. endless questions about how yeah, the Cars those, universe works. My argument for that is, I'm more intrigued by those questions than Cars 1, where I'm like, how does this work? Cars 2, I'm like, how does this work? Like, I just like, like, I like what the it, In Cars, Cars 3, a character says, like, he remembers something that his granddad once told him, his grandfather once told him, was like, how the hell does that work? How do these cars have lineage? What is, what? I just want to dig into, like, how, how like, car reproduction. I don't want to see it, but is it like that scene in Southland Tales? I reckon it <laughs> might be. I hope not. <laughs> Abe, your thoughts on the Onward trailer? Uh, to be honest, I had some, some early PTSD for, for Bright and that wasn't great, but yeah, the, the animation does look, yeah, the animation does look fantastic. Um, I'm, I'm actually with the teaser trailer that I saw, I was just like, I don't know what this promise is. That's why, uh, when you read, when you read a larger synopsis, I was like, you know, that, that actually is a better synopsis than what I saw. Cause I was not, I was kind of just like, eh, you know, I will see it, but I, I wasn't too, too intrigued by the world that uh, I was seeing here. Um, but with all that being said, again, Pixar, uh, like we've established, Pixar really does do a good job with some of its casting, and they tend to do a good job with the story, although sometimes it does get muddled. And the other one that I would throw into Good Dinosaur would be um, Brave, which was, I liked, I really liked some elements of Brave, but obviously with the director change, there was, you know, fluctuations in in how i was watching this movie mm-hmm. uh, so i'm optimistic uh, but i wasn't it wasn't as though i was like wow this is a must-see that i have to you know run out and buy a pre-sale ticket for right now there are people out there who utterly adore brave i'm married yeah, to and i don't blame them 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I, as in, if you bring up like, oh, some people don't really like this film, they are confused as to like anyone disliking Brave for any reason at all. I've had I this mean, relation that, several times. That dark stuff in the forest was fantastic, and they kind of just finished with it super quickly. Yeah. But there's a bear falling down the stairs. I will watch that endlessly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so funny. Voice by Emma Thompson. I um, I, my you mentioned Good Dinosaur Jay, and that's actually what I thought of when I when I saw this trailer. But more, I thought of what I originally saw the Good Dinosaur premise being as, which is like a modern day world that still happened to have dinosaurs. And I remember seeing like early. Uh, production like art for the film which was more along the lines of what this film is where it's like there's a society that looks like our society that just happens to also have dinosaurs involved where that movie just became literal dinosaurs being all over and there was no like there was no modernness about it beyond it's just set in our time but it's still very much dinosaurs and everything's like they just have a farm there's no yeah there's farms there's no technology or what have you this movie is capitalizing on the idea of like yeah it's like there's fantasy creatures but it just you know people have vans and like houses and technology and what have you yeah it's a plane flying past at the start and uh, so yeah mentioning bright abe i mean yeah i i get that too i guess i just didn't think about it because i don't care for that movie whatsoever and i never think about it because that just makes me feel better to not think about things i don't care for um so i i thought more of good dinosaurs initial thought idea and deleting that this film i'm like okay yeah i like this i like this idea i i like the idea of having you know a modern world that's filled with these creatures that's 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 interesting to me and so from, from the look of it so far it's like all right i'm into this um pixar I think is pretty well known for having bad trailers for all of their movies, including their best movies. So like, I'm not too concerned as far as like how well this trailer sets me up for the movie I'm going to see. Cause it's Pixar. So I'm probably going to go see this movie. Um, as far as your casting note, Jake, like I agree too. like the Chris Pratt and Tom Holland do seem to fit the characters they're playing. Uh, they are bigger stars than you'd, generally see in these movies and not counting like i guess the toy story films really are the ones that have like the biggest stars you could have at that time when they initially started them um aside from maybe monsters inc yeah but, i was gonna yeah. be like mm-hmm. billy crystal is huge i mean 2001 is like oh man the kids are gonna line up to see billy crystal in a movie <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah maybe, maybe like general, 15 though. years but I, yeah, I heard you're saying as far as yeah but i mean you know you got Two two time Academy Award winner Tom Hanks and Tim Allen, the star of the biggest TV show at that time, being in a movie together is like, yeah, that's a pretty big deal. Um, yeah, this one is like, yeah, you have two, you know, really big. They're you know they're a part of the biggest movie franchise currently going. So it's like, all right, I see what you're doing, Disney. You're you're shuffling around your your players here, um, but at the same time, Pixar is very good at casting. They they do choose the right person for the right role. I can't I'm, I I. I hesitate to think of the, the, the any time that they've not done something of that nature. So, for that in mind, yeah, I'm looking forward to Onward. I, I'm curious. I'm always curious when Pixar has two films coming out in the same year. Because uh, I think the last time... Which one's going to be the good one? Yeah, because we also have um, <laughs> Soul, which is the next Pete Docter film. Um, Pete Docter has a pretty good track record with Pixar. <laughs> so, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But yeah, Onward arrives March 6th, 2020. And uh, we'll just see where it goes from there. All right, with all that Pixar talk in mind, let's get to our main review for Toy Story 4. Everyone, Bonnie made a friend in class. Oh, she's already making friends. No, no, she literally made a new friend. I want you to meet Forky. Uh, Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. Ah! 
He's a spork. Yes, yeah, I know. Forky is the most important toy to Bonnie right now. We all have to make sure nothing happens to him. Woody, we have a situation. I am not a toy. I was made for soup, salad, maybe chili, and then the trash. Buzz, we've got to get Forky. Affirmative. Why am I alive? You're Bonnie's toy. You are going to help create happy memories that will last for the rest of her life. Huh? What? Oh, yeah. Oh. Bo? Forky, come on. Bo? Bo? Hi there. My name is Gabby Gabby. We can't stay. <laughs> yes, you can. Boy. Ah! Woody, behind you! Bo! What are you doing here? No time to explain. Come with me. We need to get back to our kid. Aw, Sheriff Woody, always coming to the rescue. Bonnie needs Forky. Woody, who needs a kid's room when you can have all of this? Wow. Woody, aren't we going to Bonnie? What do we do, Buzz? What would Woody do? Jump out of a moving vehicle. Let's go! Hey, you gotta go, you gotta go. If you should ever leave me. You know, you've handled this lost toy life better than I could. Open your eyes, Woody. There's plenty of kids out there. Sometimes change can be good. You can't teach this old toy new tricks. You'd be surprised. Bonnie? We're going home, Forky. God only knows Bye. On my way, Woody! Infinity and beyond! Oh, oh, Don't let Woody leave. Kids lose their toys every day. I was made to help a child. I don't remember it being this hard. Woody, somebody's whispering in your ear. Everything's gonna be okay. That should have been some of the trailer for Toy Story 4. After 1995's Toy Story, Toy Story 2 was going to be a direct-to-video sequel, only to be turned into a feature-length film and find lots of success. Was it the end? No. Toy Story 3 arrived 11 years later in 2010, becoming a billion-dollar hit and a Best Picture nominee. Was it the end? No. Now we have Toy Story 4. Following a prologue that explains what happened to Bo Peep, this film picks up a couple years after the end of Toy Story 3. Bonnie has her toys, but with some help from Woody, she creates a new best friend, Forky, voiced by Tony Hale. Uh, understanding how he's alive, Woody slowly helps Forky realize what being a toy is all about, but not before the two of them find themselves stranded away from the rest of the gang. Now they must find their way back to Bonnie, but they face new challenges, including an unexpected reunion with Bo Peep. Jay, as we've already established, you're a big fan of the Toy Story series. Where are you with the idea of them making this film, and what did you think of it? Uh, well, when Toy Story 3 was announced, I was initially against that, because I thought Toy Story 1 and 2 are great. You don't need to do any more on this. It's just like a cash grab. Then Toy Story 3 came out, which is, for me, the best in that franchise, and maybe the second best Pixar film after Wall-E. And Toy Story 3 is perfect. I watched it the night before I went to see Toy Story 4, and it's, it's still perfect. I love it. So when Toy Story 4 was announced, I was like, well... I was trepidatious last time around. This time, <laughs> no. This is gonna be. This is gonna be even better. They can clearly do no wrong. Uh, and I'm not saying that they have done wrong, but they haven't quite done that uh, impossible task of besting Toy Story three. Um, I, I put kind of cut, cut to the end. 
I put Toy Story 4 below the other films in, in the trilogy. Bear in mind, I've only seen it once, and the other ones I've seen maybe infinite times. And uh, this, after more repeat viewings, I'll find more things to love, I'm sure. Uh, it's still mid to upper tier Pixar, so it's still a great film. Mm-hmm. Um, just doesn't doesn't sit up there with the highs of the other Toy Story films. Uh, that being said, I, I do love a lot about it, mainly the aforementioned Duke Kaboom. Okay. He is MVP. Because uh, it's, it's Keanu. I don't know if you've heard. He's having a good year. Mm-hmm. And this is this is not deterring from that at all. Breathtaking. Well, Abe. Breathtaking. <laughs> Abe, where are you with the Toy Story? We don't talk about the Toy Story franchise too much. But where are you with, uh, with the series? And uh, what did you think of this one? The series itself, I, I think, is a, is a very good series. Um, actually, I should take it back. It, it's a great series. Or watching the first one, and uh, I've subsequently kind of always held in my mind after watching the second one and the third one, or probably just the second one, that um, this is like what Jay said, one of the best franchises in the Pixar catalog, and they can really do no wrong. So when Toy Story three was coming out, I was like, oh wow, do you even really need three? I mean, two is fantastic. Um, and then three hit me like a, a wrecking ball to quote one of the greatest poets today, Miley Cyrus. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> thank you. Uh, and it was for the record. I did not laugh, but go. On. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know, you got the reference. Um, <laughs> so it was really good. And the fourth one, when it was announced, I was like, you know what? I, I'm going to go with it. I, I, there wasn't any sort of hesitation because I, I trust them, I guess, uh, and was, uh, I think the fourth one is solid. Like I think that it's a really interesting. I can definitely see where Rashida Jones and her writing partner um, had their influence on the story. Uh, they're they're given story credits, but not writing credits. Um, and I, I think that it's a really good uh, dive into uh, fulfillment purpose and leading your own life and it, it's to think about the franchise altogether it's it, it's a logical step of where it needs to go um because it had been like we are subservient not subservient but we we are with these these children our entire life um and then you know we just get thrown away but what happens when you just sort of blaze your own trail and it's, it's kind of more so seen with one character um who then spreads the knowledge later uh, in this movie and that one character is is really great too um that's definitely one of my uh, other favorite characters but as far as all the technical things go i thought this was like a fucking an amazing technical movie there was for for an animated movie which you can control everything that you do in it i thought that there was like really good cinematography i thought there was really good directing like there were some elements where they were just uh, in the beginning, when they're kind of transitioning, I was like, "This is really cool use of uh, the way that you would see the story." Just You're in terms about, like, of that, that single shot where it kind of traces Bonnie's yeah. evolution with the t- or Andy and Bonnie's Andy's body, yeah, where it's like using like three sixty degree turns and whatever. So I was like, "This is really uh, again." I, I forget what other movie I'd made um, remarks about this about because it was another animated movie. But I was like, you know, they definitely don't have to do these things, but they did, and um, I think Mr. we Peabody kind of and Sherman. That's exactly what it was. Yeah, <laughs> uh, is that the one with the uh, with uh, that's not the one with um, Modern Family Guy, right? Tyrell. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah he's... Oh, it is. It is with Tyrell. Yeah. Okay, great. 
but again, technical aspects, there's just phenomenal things on here. And I, I really loved like the use of soft lighting in some of the scenes. Um, and I, I actually especially liked the use of um, like a traveling, what is it, a traveling carnival? Mm-hmm. Uh, because the lighting is, is fantastic. So as far as like the plot goes, the plot is uh, other elements of the plot, I should say. I, I like the, the elements of it. There were... There is a, a seemingly antagonistic character, and then uh, you sort of learn more about this person or this this I guess this toy, and you sort of understand. Um, and even Forky, like I was like Forky is super annoying, but then yes. Forky his representation and and then his his willingness to uh, accept what has happened is also like a, a deep cut. And so there's a lot to, there's a lot of layers, just like Shrek said, but um, I, I certainly pulling thought out the quotes was, today, aren't you? <laughs> references. Yeah. Uh, I certainly thought that this was like a solid contribution. Like what Jay also said, I, I don't, I, I don't really rate the toy story series, but this toy story franchise is upper echelon Pixar for sure. Um, oh, and I do want to say that the score is, is really good too. I agree. Um, the as far as Forky goes, I mean, if you want to talk about MVPs for this film, I think there's a there's a list between uh, of competition between the new toys. I think Forky and Duke Kaboom and Ducky and Bunny are all like to competing yeah, to McDimples. be like my favorite thing. And, <laughs> yeah, Giggle McDimples, of course. Right, there's so there's so much going on as far as giving me new characters I want to enjoy, which is good because of how sidelined most of the other toys are from the original, the, the, the preceding films. Um, you, you still get a, a good number of characters. I really like this movie a lot. I think it might be the funniest of the Toy Story films. Um, I don't need to get too far into rankings, but yes, I, I am a big fan of Toy Story 2, and I might be putting this one right behind it. I, I think this movie is pretty excellent as far as Pixar films go, Toy Story films go. The announcement of Toy Story 4, to me, just felt inevitable. Um, I never felt any like, oh no, I hope they don't do this, or oh no, they're doing this. It's just more like, Toy Story 3 made a billion dollars. They're not going to not make a Toy Story 4. <laughs> like That's just, that's what's going to happen. Uh, but what I appreciate about this entry is how it, like you said, Abe, it does feel like a natural progression. I don't think it needs to work to justify its existence because I do think it gets to what these films are, which are essentially Woody's journey. Um, I, I mean, the relationship with Buzz, I mean, you can highlight that, but that really only is part of t- uh, the first Toy Story film, and that's because he's introduced and it's a buddy. it becomes a buddy comedy. Uh, this series has really been all about Woody. Like he's always been mm. the main character of these films. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, two deals with his backstory, three deals with his the the inevitable end of his relationship with Andy, and mm-hmm. four is like, well, what do we do now? Like, what's the life after that? And I really like how they explore that, and they explore that in unique ways. They they give you both a reunion with Bo, who has gone on, who's charted her own path, and found another way to kind of exist without having the you know restraints of being in, controlled by a kid or being like you said super subservient to a kid and you have forky who i think is a fascinating character like the yeah. idea of this thing that's been created and doesn't understand what that means that's a great way for woody to basically explain what his deal is where we certainly understand that woody has always been this kind of loyal leading toy figure who stands by his kid and does what he can to preserve that sense of happiness like there's such there's so much kind of 
there's a great command of that kind of thing and and tom hanks has been brilliant in doing all that but now here's the first film where it's like woody has to tell another toy what it is to be a toy and these films have always had this kind of existential layer going on underneath as far as what it is to kind of exist and be around an owner and what it means and how to act and whatnot now he has to actually lay that out to another character who has to figure that out and i found that to be fascinating Uh in addition to a movie that i think is hilarious and it is there's like this is really interesting stuff the movie's not as like gut-wrenching as toy story 3 was as far on an emotional level um but i still think it it finds time to have some deeper emotional connection going on like the final minutes of this film go for that in its own way again not in a kind of devastating way in the way toy story 3 goes for Uh but but i still think it's worthwhile for what it does in that regard as well as works as a comedy and an adventure film so yeah i was just i was completely on board with this movie It, it makes this series continually be one of the most consistent movie franchises of all time right absolutely yeah with like the 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 fourth film in a franchise that's still this good it's right almost unheard of yeah (laughs) (laughs) the next one you know you know woody is like just in street racing i'm okay with that i'll say (laughs) i'll say this if they make a toy story 5 and i wouldn't put it past them i i i still look forward to what that is because i do i especially where it leaves off yeah, I, if they're if they have to make some kind of plot contrivance to make things work in a certain way, I'm I'm not against that just because I want to see what kind of heady things they're going to do with Woody's character at that point in that film. Yeah, my, my guess would be Woody doesn't die at the end of Toy Story Four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if they do a, a five, my guess is they would follow Woody in the situation that he is at the end of Four, rather than other characters that aren't necessarily with him. Right. right. Yeah, just so, yeah, because for, the, for, one, for no reason other than the age of some of the actors, perhaps, <laughs> which True. is something they're already having to to kind of work around. Well, yeah. so let's talk. Let's talk more about it. Um, well, what do we talk about? Let's well, I was gonna I was gonna yeah. bring up the ex- your because you sort of left off on the ex- the existentialism part of things, and what I really like about it is that yeah, Forky does serve his purpose his purpose of, uh, you know, helping Woody understand what toys are and, and how that, that whole entire world works. But then Forky also asked really good questions. Mm-hmm. Like he kind of, he kind of asked one like in passing and the audience laughed and I laughed. But then when you think about what he's asking, um, he, I think he actually asked it to buzz, I should say. Uh, but, um, it's a really solid question and it kind of just, it, it drives the whole movie, and it's actually asked like late in the movie, uh, which I, I liked uh, about uh, it. But, but like what you're saying, there's a point just... where he's asked, "What am I?" and he that's replies, correct, yeah. "I don't know." And that's, that's such that's, a like, <laughs> yeah, that that's, that is actually the the scene that I'm referring to. But yeah, it's a laugh line, but it's also like that's more deep than most movies I ask. see in a year. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's a deep ask. And the other thing I wanted to bring up was what Jay you had said, which is. How many movies are solid for four of them, like all of them strong? You know what I mean? And it's really like I can't even. I'm trying to think as I'm talking, and I, I mean, I, I can, but that's not the point. Like, right, 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 <laughs> it's a very good few. series. Yeah, it's few, right? It's not many. Yeah, like for me, the the weakest one is is Toy Story Two, which is still a five star film. Uh, exactly. Just, <laughs> 
Um, well, maybe maybe four. I don't know. I haven't decided. Oh, well, how dare you. Uh, but, well, talk about the... I think it's one, but that's me. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, just the scene with all of the, the kind of the, the hand-built toys coming out of Sid's bed. I just love that. Anyway. Uh, speaking of the kind of the existential issues of, of four and with Forky, like, Forky, this, this, he's kind of suicidal. He's dealing with that on, like, he, he wants to go back to being, tr- he doesn't want to exist. Uh, so this film does throw up some some real serious questions that yeah. you can, can if you if you kind of sit down and think about them. And then Woody kind of gives him a, a purpose for living, like to to be there for somebody else. That's it, know, it is it, very it's, it's cute deep. what he does in the trash, though. He just uses his paper as blankets. Yeah, he just he is trash. He wants to be <laughs> with I, trash. I like the running joke of him just like hopping into the trash, saying <laughs> trash. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I wasn't annoyed by Forky. I thought to, I think Tony Hale is great in this. Tony movie. Hale is great. I, yeah, perfectly cast. He's like even more neurotic Buster. Like, it's just yeah. so perfect. He's, he's, he always plays characters who just kind of need to be saved, need right. to be helped, to just incapable of living on their own. Uh, this so, is yeah, very true. Perfect. Just like in me. <laughs> yeah. But I'll, I'll also speak to Tom Hanks continues to make this one of, if not his best character in film. Like, he's so good playing the different shades of Woody. Like, and, and just how he continues to, like, adapt to it and make it fun and make it interesting and make him complex uh, for a character that, yeah, can be described sometimes as selfish, uh, you know, think, thinking too far ahead. Uh, over overdoing it as far as what he's trying to accomplish, it just makes it such a fully realized character that I, I really I really enjoy, and I like where he starts in this film, where he's not really the leader anymore. Now it's Bonnie Hunt's character, um, who's one of Bonnie's toys. Like she's the actual leader, and Woody like can't help himself in a lot of these situations. And she's it, the mayor of the town. She yeah, exactly. So it's like they they do. I think they do a great job of like picking up where things left off, and then you yeah you you further explore this world, and you get to have Woody meet new characters which again are i think are all well drawn out like you have you have a number of people here which we should talk about i mean we, we already mentioned duke kaboom with keanu reeves <laughs> who's a delight and used just enough like it's not a there's not yeah. a lot of him in here which i think right. is a, a you know a great choice new from maple leaf toys who's a canuck with all the luck now you can bring home duke kaboom who's the most spectacular daredevil canada has ever seen Are you kidding? It's a commercial. It's not real. I can't jump that far. Oh, yeah. He, mm-hmm. He's he, he's not in it a lot. He's very much a kind of a, a supporting comedic character. But again, there's real depth to him of this mm-hmm. like, anxiety he has to suffer with right. from not living up to the, the commercials that oversold him. It's just such, such humanity to just this silly character to the side who just yeah you know he just comes in oh yeah and jumps and smashes into things and very good at crashing and i love him and i, I mean that... when he's introduced he's just like stretching in all these poses and then you hear his backstory and you're like no i'm sad uh, that that posing that apparently is something that keanu reeves brought to the role where he was <laughs> he was just like doing that trying to get into character and they put it into the film i, heard I like it motion capture yeah you know, you, we speak yeah. of duke kaboom's anxiety and like that's all of the toys in general I mean, yeah. Rex most obviously, Rex. but yeah. the new, but the new ones, you yeah, are dealing with the same things. You have Key, Key and Peel as Ducky and Bunny, who are dealing with that as well. They're carnival toys that never get picked, and they're very, very anxious about that. Well, and they and they get the chance to kind of explore the new world, and we we see we we. I mean, it's not as deep as the other characters, but that brings me to the other characters. We have Gabby Gabby, who is the 
quote-unquote villain of the film, voiced by Christina Hendricks, who has a very specific, like, cause of what she's trying to accomplish. And like you said, Abe, she becomes very relatable as the time goes on. Yeah, I would, I would relatable, but also I'd say like uh, empathetic for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so her and cause even, is uh, relatable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and there are elements of this movie for these characters that I never even thought about. So you know, something that comes into play is is um, is Woody's voice, and I was like, wow, that's something I never even thought about in terms of Woody being Woody. You know what I mean? Like, there's just I guess I never think about Woody's insides, but um, there, there's just like really, really neat things that they've done with uh, where the story goes. So kudos on these people for thinking through these things. And I, I, I agree with Aaron that there's a lot of laughs here. I mean, it's almost like a lot of laughs per minute sort of thing. Um, because when, when Giggle McDimples is introduced, uh, I was just laughing really hard because of the way that she has to move in her environment first. Uh, which is like something that a kid would do. Even I did that with like Mighty Max, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Where you're just like, you can't just go from point A to point B. You have to take all the the fucking stairs. She and can't you have to take, fly. Like, yeah, you can't exactly. <laughs> this world doesn't make sense. And so I, I was just laughing at these small little um, you know uh, details that they were adding into the story. Um, but again, uh, from the character list, yeah, definitely Duke of Boom is up there for sure. Because, uh, yeah, that Roshan guy ruined his life <laughs> on Boxing Day, no less. Um, the, <laughs> the, is that the, supposed the, to be a joke? Because we have that here. I don't. I never know if that's supposed yeah. to be like if calling well, it Boxing it's Day. It's a joke is... for Americans because okay. we 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 know what it is, but we just open things on Christmas, so it's funny just to hear the the Canadian equivalent. Okay. It's just the the way he like points it out. Like it's such a it's such a specifically written line that I, it's just very enjoyable <laughs> to hear. Because <laughs> it's yeah here we you know you don't we don't celebrate Boxing Day so it's. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to bring up that I was glad that Pixar was doing this progression part because I think that DreamWorks did it really well with How to Train Your Dragon, um, where uh, the characters keep continuously keep growing, um, and so for this one, Bonnie has to go to pre kindergarten. Um, I was like, oh, this is cool that you're actually able to witness uh, her her growth as as a human being, kind of thing. And her pre kindergarten stuff was kind of rough because even I was like, man, I'm you guys are sucker punching me like right now, like ten minutes into the movie. This isn't cool. Uh, what is this? But obviously, up. what's that? What is this up? Exactly. <laughs> Pixar you know? always does that. They they attack you as soon as they can. Well, I mean, exactly. As far as the progression, I mean, that's the, that's a huge part of the Toy Story franchise of like yeah. how you know, I mean that's it's it's why two is my favorite one because you have not only the comedy but you add the the Jesse's arc in there and I I don't, I don't think they've improved upon that in the films in the subsequent films because I think that's getting at the heart of it as far as a toys you already have the idea that the toy is loyal to a kid. And then the natural thing that they have to worry about is what happens when that kid doesn't want to play with them anymore. And that's always been a huge part of this series in general. And you do that in Toy Story 2. You have Jesse, you get the Sarah McLaughlin song, you get all that. And it's like, yeah, this is 
there's a level of depth there that's I'm suddenly just getting explored. goosebumps and I'm feeling all sad because you mentioned the Sarah McLaughlin uh-huh. song. <laughs> I mean, but that, that I mean, you explore, you suddenly explore that depth was what, which wasn't really in Toy Story. Toy Story's big thing is about just is mainly Buzz's arc of realizing that he's a toy, while Woody realizes that he can't be number one toy. Well, you you also mentioned the selfishness of Woody, so it kind of gives you some insight uh, on Woody's character in Toy Story mm-hmm. One. Yeah. yeah, so two is like, well, let's up the ante by giving you this emotional factor about what happens when the kid doesn't want to play with the toy at all like anymore like gives it away no less mm-hmm. and so and i mean and that's what you track in three where three is like okay now andy's going to college <laughs> like it's, it's a huge step and now the toys are like well what do we do with that and now yeah. and, and now we have four which should bring us to that what we think of bo peep's character here the return of Andy potts's character um because yeah i was trying to be coy about it but um I mean, it's, it's the it's the main. She's on the poster. It's the main. Yeah, I, I know. And she's also shown in the uh, in the trailers to be a super badass. But again, what her, what her character has to go through, I um I fully appreciate it because it, it is one of those things where once you get out and experience things on your own, you are a better person. You know, you're you're more well rounded. You sort of see things differently in a different light, and you become way more more independent. And I think that it was uh, again for Woody to think about what his purpose was and then finally come to the realization that he's kind of helped Andy grow and progress. And he's kind of like helped the toys grow and progress with Bonnie. It's like, well, what do I do now? And, and Andy Potts is a great uh, conduit to, to what happens next. Yeah. He, like uh, the, the Pixar films always used to be about, there were, there were kind of parallels to employment. Like mm-hmm. in the in the first one, you have someone new starts at your job who is kind of better at you and you're gentler than them. Number two is you move, move on to a new role, and number three is retirement. Uh, this one feels more like uh, kind of a parenthood analogy, where yeah. Woody has has had a kid. That kid has grown up and left, and he no longer has a kid. I mean, technically he he is still Bonnie's, or he has Bonnie, but she doesn't play with him, so he doesn't really have a kid anymore. And he, but he wants a kid. Whereas Bo has been out on the world kidless for seven years, doesn't want to have a kid. Right. So can these two form an agreement of having a kid, not having a kid? Uh, I, 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 I liked this analogy because it kind of mm-hmm. not everyone needs to have a child. Uh, I'd like right. some of my elder, my elder relatives to watch this film and understand that and stop asking when I'm having kids. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, I like that analogy. Yeah, and the the way it presents that in this world, I think, is just really interesting. Like it it benefits by having a carnival as a backdrop, so you can have a lot of different kinds of examples to work with. But even then, just Bo Peep's like survival instincts in this film, or like how she's she's become the Woody uh, to her kind of group, as far as having the means to fix toys, being able to rescue toys. Like it's fun to watch. Like it, I mean. This this series has always been about like these Rube Goldbergian ways of getting toys from one place to another, and this yeah. film completely delivers on that as well. As far as having unique ways to get toys across, you know, a park crowded with people, like it has plenty of fun with how to figure those scenarios out. Um, and at the same time, it also finds scary ways to deal with that. The antique shop that Gabby Gabby lives in, along with the ventriloquist dummies, which are all scarier than anything in Child's Play. Um, it, <laughs> it it becomes like a haunted house movie in the middle of this adventure story, which I was really into. I really liked what it was doing. It doesn't shy away from kind of the darkness and the scariness that could be happening in this series. Like I don't think there's anything any I don't think there's any been anything as scarier than this since the first Toy Story when you see Sid's toys for the first Sid's time. Sid's toys, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like it it does something with that, which I think is neat. And in a movie that's already 
pretty weird as far as like the forky stuff like it, it, it's it's the weirdest toy story movie in addition to what else is going on right yeah like so forky does bring up some carl's universe levels of mm-hmm. wait what how did what now is it just the, the writing of the name on the foot that makes them alive or so if didn't want, have i so want to yeah. wonder how sentience works in this world like yeah. if you could just, you just put on some eyes and a mouth and it becomes alive now but he also because he recognizes that he's good for soups and like maybe chili is like wait, so does he have a consciousness when he's not with eyes and a mouth right so you know, he has these memories of what a fork is for like or and, and, the, and the like hyper awareness of like knowing that he's a one-time use thing so uh-huh. yeah who wants, well, who I like wants to, think to be that in the trash <laughs> maybe the on the, the bus ride from pre-k to home would he explain to him what a spork was what it was for what it, how he was made oh Perhaps, I see. or like Perhaps. is he recycled plastic and he has the other memories of old vorge versions of himself <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. speaking of yeah speaking of deep deep cuts uh, the other part that i liked was um again there's always this concept of being a lost toy and that actually is brought up with bo peep and she's like i'm not i'm i'm just i live on my own now you know what i mean mm-hmm. like there's other children in the world that we could help uh, make happy and i think that kind of just speaks to again the growth of why certain characters don't need to really be there anymore um and their own progression and their own growth so i I certainly appreciated that they kind of dealt with some of the quote-unquote like stigmas um that have been continuously brought up in all three previous movies um and uh, Jay, your analogy of like kids going off to college, that's exactly what I thought too. Or just like having kids leave the nest and yeah, you know, mentors or whatever else, anyone that, that's ever been in your life that has sort of helped you progress and you, they just told you never to look back kind of thing. That's kind of what this movie is focused on. So yeah, for kids watching this, just uh, it's, it's actually a really great message. So I hope that they go back and rewatch it when they're a little bit older as well. Speaking of lost toys, did you guys mind the kind of the lack of certain toys? Because we don't get a lot of kind of the original cast members. Even Buzz is even Buzz is kind of in the background for a while until he finally goes out on his own to find Woody and the gang. Oh, that's exactly the question I was going to ask you guys too. I, I, I was disappointed because I, I you know, I've grown up with these films. I've grown up with these characters. I, I went to see this because we get the further adventures of Rex and Ham and Mister Pricklepants. Um, who just happened to be three of my favorites. And I, I wanted more of them. I, I understand moving away from them, but some of them get maybe a couple of lines or a couple of scenes, and that's about it. Um, and I, I, I did want more. But then, you know, if, you, if you've got to introduce these new characters and you want them to, to mean anything to the audiences, then it, it makes sense to sideline those that we already know. It's just it's disappointing, but I can always go back and watch them in the other films. They're, they're yeah. still there. So. Yeah, I wasn't so much uh, bummed out that there wasn't enough Buzz or uh, Rex or Ham or, you know, whatever else. Um, I mean, I, I I do think Jesse adds a lot to this series, so it's like, that. that's a little... I wouldn't say it's disappointing, well, she, but it's like... She gets uh, like a nice little moment with Woody later, too. I mean, too. They all, all the characters get a bit of a time to They're, shine. Yeah. It, just, it just feels like, like, Jesse feels like one of the kind of main characters at this point of this series, so it's like, yeah, oh, there's not a lot of... A lot of that going on here. Uh, she does. She does uh, but, serve her purpose in the movie, which is to keep the family there. Yeah, she she's not on the poster. Yeah, like, <laughs> mm, uh, which interesting. Is, but, yes. Buzz is, but he, only Woody and Buzz are the only two of the original 
original uh, characters that are oh, on. Oh, and Bo Peep, yeah. technically. I mean, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, sorry. She yeah. sat out the last film. <laughs> <laughs> but again, the, as the story goes, uh, as it sort of progresses, I should say, it becomes clearly, um, it becomes abundantly clear that it's not so much a movie about an ensemble. Or at least not this particular ensemble. Right. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. St- setting up a new one. Uh, right. Well, yeah, I've but... I've mentioned that the film I think is the funniest of the Toy Story films. Did you find good comedy in this movie? Oh, absolutely. I, yeah. Anyone who is leaving before the credits is making a mistake because yeah, that's you're making a mistake. That, the biggest laugh there came from Ducky and Bunny for me in their <laughs> mid credits antics. Even even when they're when they're talking about their plans, I, I no. was like, no, <laughs> uh, because uh, something that happens on the screen, but. There's just hilarious things all throughout. They don't have to be set pieces either. There's a really funny part where Woody's just walking on the street, and he's uh, Forky's with him too. And then Forky just looks up and says, "Carry me." <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, and then you realize that he's dragging Forky. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think that as I said, I think this movie is absolutely hilarious, and I do think, that, and Anna can attest to this. We saw it together; she had a great time too. But Ducky and Bunny. There's a sustained sequence involving how they plan, how they could plan right. to do something that is, yeah. it's the most I've laughed in this series for like the extended period of time. Like I could not stop laughing about like how they plan to do. Like it's such a, it plays off of a you know an aspect of this film that that we that we already know about. And yes, there's like a shock element to it as far as seeing it for the first time. But I don't think I'm never going to stop laughing at the yeah. how especially they're the doing third this. scenario. The third, yeah, the third the scenario they present yeah. that holds it holds out so long <laughs> for your expectation <laughs> of what's going to happen. It just killed me. Like it's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the animation is terrific, as you mentioned. Yes. Gabe. I, like watching the first Toy Story is like, what is this compared to this movie? <laughs> Where like the, yeah, the the cinematography is is spectacular. The the felt on Woody feels like photo real at this point. Like it's just such a, it's this, you can say the same for every Pixar film every year because yeah, it, you know technology only gets better. It just gets better. Yeah. But I think and, that... and when Pixar has you know two hundred million dollars to work with, yeah, they're probably going to be a pretty good looking movie. But it's like yeah, it's incredible just how far the studio has come to make even the toy world continue to look as impressive as it does. There's so much good here as far as how the studio has progressed and what you're getting out of it from a visual standpoint. Like it's never not going to be colorful. But even like. Like I mentioned, the haunted house stuff. It's so like it. You get so much more dread of seeing these characters like walk through tiny crevices in an antique shop just because of the amount of dust and cobwebs around before the damn ventriloquist dummies and their like <laughs> slack jawed figures start like walking around and chasing after them and stuff. It's uh, like the like when you have Gabby Gabby talking to Woody and then you have a ventriloquist dummy like secretly behind him doing. It's yeah. just like all of that. It's not just because like the like the vocal performances and Randy Newman's terrific score is doing the work. It's because like the the look of this scenario, you get it. You get what's going on. It's so like effective in the right ways. Like there's just there's plenty here. Yeah, I'm glad they finally brought uh, Ventriloquist dummies into it because that was like Woody was originally designed to be a Ventriloquist dummy. Is that true? So I feel like it was. Yeah, it was always Buzz was always a, a, a space ranger, uh-huh. uh, but Woody was originally this like old timey dummy that just developed him to being a cowboy. 
over and, time. And fittingly, the Ventrilo's coming dummies can't talk. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just like I enjoy. It makes right. it creepier for one thing. Right. And, uh, and they, they also they can't really walk properly because there's no yeah. one controlling them. They're just kind of yeah. flailing. I love it. Yeah, so, I, I especially like the way that they they ran because their arms are just like again limp. it. Yeah. Yes, yeah, limp, it's, and it reminds me of like you know uh, in uh, Coraline, like other father kind of thing. Oh, so. Yeah. Um, but again, I do want to shout out the cinematography, Patrick Lynn and, and Jean-Claude Clenache. Uh, the elements that I'm thinking about are, I mean, when you think about scenes of just Woody is first introduced to the antique shop, there's beautiful lighting there. And then even when he's like cornered in, in, uh, with Gabby Gabby and her goons mm-hmm. and he picks up a pencil, there's like really strong lighting there too. Like the way that they shot that. Just like wow, again, you guys didn't have to do all this work here. And then obviously, at the end there, when when um, all the colors are just in soft focus from the carnival, it's it's like wow, this movie. Uh, there, it, it probably won't be nominated for for best cinematography because of certain reasons. But I would say that it's it's one of the best shot movies of the year. And I, I think seen... it'll be up for best animated feature film. Just just guess. <laughs> That's Probably. true. That's true. But for the technical categories, see. Yeah. Although Randy Newman could be nominated. He's, I mean, could be. Yeah. The Toy Story right. films tend to get animation, screenplay, and like score and, and song. So I mean, it's, it could easily and best picture, I guess, based on Toy Story three. But we'll Toy see Story what happens. Yeah. Um, but with all that, okay. Uh, I mentioned that the comedy, but did, did you guys did you get caught up on an emotional level in any way? Uh, I didn't. Uh, my yeah. wife apparently cried, but I, I didn't. Not this time. Toy Story 3, still the peak of, of, of affecting me in that way. Uh, this time around, I was just enjoying the journey. The parts that did affect me were just, again, Bonnie's first day because it was like a mean kid, and, and that was not nice because, uh, you know, toying with my emotions, so to speak. Pun not intended. Uh, and then the the other part where I, I didn't get emotional, but I, I felt like a, a nice, like, warm relief was when he's hugging Buzz and he leans in extra hard. And I was like, oh, that's nice. So, yeah, I I can't say. Yeah, I didn't get caught up in the way of Toy Story, like Toy Story 3. And it's not even like the Bonnie stuff at the end where Andy gives the toys to Bonnie. Like, that doesn't get me. I'm just they're like, all right, that's a nice roll call of all the toys and what they do. It's the it's the damn trash incinerator scene scene because it's such a a bit designed to destroy you inside and it's such like it's so specific (laughs) as far as them slowly holding hands and woody's like scrambling and then he's like when buzz is looking at him like we can't there's nothing to do we can't do anything like that's about coming to acceptance that's that's what killed me like that's like oh my god like what's gonna happen here until yeah i i love that video that went around of the people who cut that to be the end of the film when they showed it to their parents. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> they just cut, cut the credits. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that, which is incredibly sad. Um, <laughs> that was a thing for a while. Uh, but yeah, this one, I mean, yeah, there were moments where I was like, oh, that's whatever. Uh, but yeah, it never like hit me in that to that degree in the same way. Because I don't think it's, it's not trying to. Like, I, yeah, I don't think it's- like whether or not this is just the next entry or an epilogue to this franchise like it's still you know it, it it's already kind of maximized what kind of emotional terror it can ring on children at this point so. <laughs> but i was still very happy with what it decided to do not to get too far into like what the ending is but i was very there's 
there are goodbyes that are said to people, and I enjoyed how those happened. I think they, yeah. I think they worked rather well to the film. Yeah. Anything else on Toy Story Four? Go see it. Yes. <laughs> I agree. All right. Well, with all that, where should people go and see this movie? It sounds like soon is the answer to your question. Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely recommend theater for this. Yeah, definitely. Good theater. Yeah, go out and see it. It's it's fantastic. It, I I think it's hilarious. <laughs> it's, it's, there's no reason not. Combat to Carl's back. Con, yes, Combat <laughs> Carl is back. <laughs> Stay for the credits. Stay. It'll be the one of the best things you've ever seen. Yeah, the the very end of the credits is one of the most satisfying. Exactly. Moments it, of closure. It's more satisfying than Snickers. Yes, I don't <laughs> like peanuts. So yes. <laughs> All right, well, all that out of the way, that's our review for Toy Story 4. Let's move on now. Abe, what, uh, what time is it? Time for a quick game. Little Known Feather is actually the original score for Buzz Lightyear, but then they decided it needed to be more dramatic and, and worry. Yes. <laughs> Well, that was the improv theme for games. Abe, you have a game for us this week? I've got a game for you guys. It's called Four or More. Uh, this is a game in which I will ask Golf? you guys... No. <laughs> uh, Happy Gilmore. Exactly, yes. Uh, Caddy Jack. I'm out. Tin Cup. Yeah, ah, like, how many other golf movies are there? So. The Legend of Becker Vance. <laughs> Nobody counts that one. The um, greatest story ever told. That's the Bill Paxton one of Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Uh, this is a game in which I will name a movie franchise, and if you guys can buzz in and tell me how many entries are in that movie franchise, and for brownie points, if you know the fourth num- the fourth name of that franchise series uh, or of that franchise entry, let me know. But again, that's for brownie points. The greatest so, game ever played. That's what it's called, not the greatest story ever told. Got it. Never mind. Greatest story. Did you say the greatest story ever told? Yeah, that's that's. I thought a bit... that was like a tagline for Bagger Vance. No, that's a that's a biblical movie. <laughs> <laughs> Caddyshack Two. <laughs> that's all yeah. i have got for us. i like who's it. your caddy <laughs> is that actually the tagline no that's a movie who's your caddy i don't like that tag i don't like that movie title caddy daycare <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, we have a time? game we're playing <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. just buzz in if you guys even if you guess you just to buzz so in how first. many entries there are in a movie franchise and what the that's... fourth specific one is well, that one's for brownie points. Yeah, I, I got you know. it. Yeah, all right, all right. All right, here we go. Child's Play, including the newest one. Aaron. Aaron. There are eight Child's Play movies. Is incorrect. Jay. Jay. Seven. There are seven in Wait. the franchise. I've seen none of them. And it would be... Are you serious? Child's Play 4. In... I know that's incorrect. <laughs> that is incorrect. It's The Bride of Chucky. Okay, well... Uh, next one here, Rambo. Jay. Jay. Four with a fifth on the way. That is correct. And it's just called Rambo. <laughs> that is also correct. Okay. <laughs> next one here. Wait, Scream. hold on. There, yeah. are eight, there are eight Child's Play movies. Are there? Yes, there are. Mm. Including the new one, yes. There's, there's Child's Play, Child's Play 2, Child's Play 3, Bride of Chucky, Seed of Chucky, Cults uh, of Chucky and Curse of Chucky and the new Child's Play. 
Maybe I just miscounted. Yes, you did. I'm, I'm like, this. I'm eight happy eight. to relinquish that point. It's fine. Happy, I happy only guessed seven because Aaron got eight. So. Yeah. I'm like counting this in my mind, doing mental gymnastics. Like, there are eight movies. What are you talking about? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I, I failed to uh, to, uh, to count one of them. So, yes, Aaron, you are correct. Okay. There you go. Uh, next one here. Scream. Jay. Jay. Four. That's correct, and that's also Scream correct. Scream four. Yeah. <laughs> Next one here. The Omen. Aaron. Aaron. The, hmm, there are four, including the remake? That's correct, yeah. And I mean, you can just say five. <laughs> that, all right. I'm, I can't think of the subtitle. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's okay. It's Omen 4, The Awakening. There we go. Next one here. Halloween, including the all all of the franchise. Aaron. Jay. Eleven. That is correct. Yeah. Wait, that was a guess. Uh, Halloween for the Return of Michael Myers. That is correct. Know. Oh, that's a guess as well. Was that really? <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen the first it one and I've return, seen yeah. the new one. Yeah, but that's these are good guesses that you're getting. Here. I've edited a podcast on them, but I was not on that podcast. <laughs> Next one here, Resident Evil. Aaron. Aaron. Six. That's correct. And the fourth is Aftermath? Afterlife. Afterlife. Aftermath is a record label (laughs) from Dr. Dre. (laughs) Uh, Next one here. Ice Age. Jay. Jay. Five. That's correct. And the fourth one is Continental Drift. Yes, I'm. You really know your Ice Age movies. I, I, I've never seen Collision Course. It's uh, not, apparently it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. It's a terrible. Film. <laughs> I like the first three. Uh, Continental Drift is fine. It's got Peter Dinklage as a uh, pirate. Ah, uh, it is a pirate, but it's a pirate. It's like a, gi- like a Gigantopithecus or something. Yeah, he's an, he's a, a, a Gigantopithecus. Yeah, he's an ape it's, pirate, yeah. like King Louis in the Jungle Book remake. Yeah. Oh, interesting. It's goddamn ridiculous that me a Gigantopithecus. Whatever. The... <laughs> <laughs> Still won't see it. Uh, next one here, Shrek. Aaron. Jay. Aaron. Four. Four. Shrek Shrek. Forever after. Yes. I've... I would have said five if you count Puss in Boots. Sorry. Would not, would not, was not counting Puss in Boots. That's, yeah, okay. Or, you know, uh, there's also Shrek 4D, the Universal Rise. <laughs> no, <laughs> not counting that. Uh, Die Hard. Aaron. Jay. Aaron. There are five Die Hard movies. Five is correct. And live Free or Die Hard. That is the one we never talk about. No, in the, the UK, no, the, fifth, the fifth one is the one we never talk about. Oh, the UK, it's uh, Die Hard 4.0, right? Yeah, 4.0, which is a better. I would title. have accepted that too. Yeah. Wow, is it? It is. I mean, it deals. <laughs> the movie deals with technology. Like, it, it's a better title. Than and it was, yeah, it was the Hard. era. Yeah. It's not like the, if the movie was set in New Hampshire, then yeah, sure, Live Free Die Hard would be a good, good, good. <laughs> That's the motto of New Hampshire. Yes, uh, yeah. yeah, we had to explain it to Jay. Maybe uh, next one here, Final Destination. Jay. Jay. Mm-hmm. Five. That is correct. And it's the final the destination. Final destination. <laughs> Terrible <laughs> title for that. not the last franchise. <laughs> and uh, for it's all the marvels, <laughs> for all the marvels here, uh, Underworld. Aaron. Aaron. I'm going to say five. Okay. That's correct. 
Okay. And the fourth one, oh my god, the fourth one is, is it Awakening? Also correct, yeah. What's the fifth one? Like, I have no idea. <laughs> sleep Again. Sleep Again, yeah. I haven't seen an, an Underworld film, so I'm annoyed that was a tiebreaker. The last one is Blood Wars. Blood Wars, there we go. <laughs> uh, that was really close, because you guys were neck and neck, and then I just had that last question for Underworld. So, I'm, unfortunately, Jay, I guess you hadn't seen any of them. I, uh, yeah, I've, I've not seen any Underworld. I haven't seen any Resident Evil. I, I've seen two Underworlds, and I was like, no. <laughs> no thank you. Done this. this isn't for me. <laughs> Yeah, when when uh, whatever space becomes a hybrid vampire or werewolf, it's like I don't think that this makes <laughs> sense. Uh, with all that being said, though, Aaron, you are the winner of this week's games, even though it was a very tight race. Yay! Bobby I will Jones, take second. Story of genius. <laughs> Jim Caviezel's Bobby Jones golf movie. Uh, just thinking of more <laughs> golf movies. <laughs> I'm sure there's an animated one. I can't think what it is. It's probably called like Four of an Exclamation Point. Yeah. Or bye bye birdie. It's a bunch of ants or something who's golfing. <laughs> we should pitch this if there isn't an animated golf movie already. We can make this happen. A lot of golf movies. I just looked it up. I mean, <laughs> yes, there are golf movies. But Whether... there's more than I expected. <laughs> Fair enough. Whether or not they're all good, I mean, that's another story. <laughs> no, some of these look like direct to a movie or direct to a. Uh... TV and direct to video, and then some of them look like they're horny teenager movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, thanks for the game, Abe. Yeah, you're yeah. welcome. Fun game. Let's uh, let's move on now. Let's get to our out now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash out now podcast, where we asked a number of questions for the listeners, and they gave us answers, and they gave us questions that we can give answers to. Jay, feel free to join in on any of these. Michelle. Yeah. First question is, what movie sequel has defied your expectations? Chris has John Wick Chapter 2, Mad Max Fury Road, Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich, The Raid 2, District 13, Ultimatum. And Justin adds, yeah, for sure, John Wick Chapter 2, Empire Strikes Back, Temple of Doom, and Toy Story 2. I gotta watch District B13 Ultimatum again. Like, I saw that once, and I'm like, oh, it's fine, but I really I really like District B13. But... Right. Which they even made a, a remake of called the uh, was it Brick Mansions? Yeah, yeah. I I didn't see that because why? I did not see that either. Yeah. Um, Men in Black Three might be the one I can think of most clearly. Mm-hmm. Where I was mm-hmm. like, this doesn't need. I don't. I don't know what to expect from this. And then I'm like, this is as good as the first one. Like I really like Men in Black Three a lot. Mm-hmm. I'd say uh, Hellboy Two. Uh, oh, yeah. Better than I thought it was yeah. gonna be. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I, I'm trying to think. Did it defy my expectations? Like, I like Guillermo del Toro. He's coming off of Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, I'm like, but yeah, I do really yeah. like Oh Boy too. Uh, going the wrong way, Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. I wanted, <laughs> I wanted, I wanted it to be better, so much better. I understand. So better. <laughs> I mean, sad dinosaur deaths. Yeah. Shadow and Mist and Ash. Just, I'm crushing uh, their voices today, guys. What can I tell you? <laughs> that was really good. Whatever Stegosaur like brought that was, the was in the room. That was like in the on the on the dock. And I think she also... just sounds like uh, Peter um, when he gets his back shaved by Meg. Okay. Family, family guy. Yeah. All right. Next question here. What were your favorite toys growing up? Justin writes, G.I. Joe, but all the Cobra toys, they had the coolest planes. Robotech, my grandpa went to Japan on a business trip in the early 80s and brought me back 
the VF1J1, I, I, VF1J, I think it was called, and the Cyclone Motorcycle. Wish I still had them. Dennis writes, ditto for the Joes, double ditto for Robotech. My dad took a course in Japan in 85 and brought me back one of those planes too. What I remember distinctly is the heft and weight of the die-cast metal build, and yeah, I wish I had them still as well. Marcus writes, my African-American, my buddy and me, my buddy doll action figure. <laughs> Mark Hope in front of the show writes, the earliest toy I can remember was called the Happy Apple by Fisher Price. At this point, it would definitely have been there in the antique shop of Gabby Gabby. <laughs> Irene has one Christmas. I got a toy Star Trek communicator set and the Uhura action figure. And I was in a Star Trek heaven for that year. Chris has action man, Eagle eyes of bazooka. Scott writes rock'em sock'em robots. And David writes GI Joe Cobra terror dome drome with fire bat. This is some, this is some classic toys here. Oh, I'm going to throw in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. There was a Raphael one where you could push his head in and then you had to squeeze his legs for his head to come back up. Um, and then deep dive, uh, submarine Batman. He had like the yellow, uh, I guess suit and he, <laughs> he could shoot missiles from his, uh, some mini submarine diving tool. It got stolen from me and I'm still pissed about it. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't have a lot of toys. Um, but I had a little, I had a Terminator two, like the, uh, the face was half melted. I think I had this I like before it. I saw, before I'd ever seen a Terminator film. I think I had this. <laughs> Uh, so that was quite cool. I had, a, I had a Terminator two toy. I had the Terminator two toy, and I had the like the the t like the Terminator like build set where like you take like the the stuff and you can put like the human skin on the Terminator, and then you can like oh, nice you can like break it off and stuff. Dino like, damage style. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, so you you like put it in the mold and like heat it up or whatever. So it's like it's got skin on its body. Then you can rip off the skin. It's like oh, there's a Terminator underneath. It's crazy. Um. Let's see. I had Batman toys too. Abe. I had I had the like the Batman the movie toy where it had like his his grappling hook was his utility belt, and then it, like right. there was Bob the Goon from Batman who was a toy. You had well. you had a Bob the Goon toy. I had a Bob the Goon who had wow. like, he had like kick action. You can press the button. Do you and he, and he would still kick. have it? I'd have to find it if I did. Okay, so sure. you still you might still have it. I might still have it. Wow. I had I had Ghostbusters stuff too. I had the Ecto one, and I had the actual like house that it would come like the Ghostbuster firehouse. And like on the top, there was a grate, so you can like put like slime on it, so the slime would go through the grate and like go all down the house and stuff. It was really cool. What's the cleaning just... process like? What? What was the cleaning process like? Well, it's like slime, so it's not like you know you just pick it back up and roll it into a ball, and then you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here just being very jealous of your childhood. I, 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 didn't, I didn't go. I didn't go wanting for anything. I'm, I'm from a fairly privileged background, mm-hmm. but I just never really had any toys. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I... I yeah, I just well, I had some, like, we, should, uh, we should do a deep should dive. Should ask your mom your... for lunch money. You just go buy buy them yourself. We should do a deep lunch dive into, to Jay's emotional connection to the Toy Story franchise now because of his lack of toys as a growing up. Exactly. Yeah. You've become Gabby Gabby. That next question: Have you ever made your own toy or something else creative when you were young? What was it? Justin uh, says, my grandma and I made a dog pillow I had for many, many years named Bingo. That was the only response to that one. Did you guys make your own toys as a... I'm sure you guys probably did. I, I saw this question, and so I, I uh, asked my parents, and mm-hmm. they said, no, why would you? <laughs> uh, so, Very proper British answer. <laughs> uh, that's more of a my parents answer than a British answer. Uh, I've got no, a wonder, no wonder you guys wrote uh, Peter Pan. 
I'm kind of I've known everyone on my site for not really having a childhood, uh, <laughs> and never having been a child. So yeah, that's I'm not surprised that was what my parents said. So no, I like to think I'm kind of a creative person. I I work as I'm a designer. I'm an engineer. Uh, but no, I ne- apparently never made anything. I'm I'm the villain from the Lego Movie. Uh, in the, I follow the instructions, and then that's how it sits forever. Got uh, it. <laughs> I'm more the kid from the Lego movie, because I didn't build a toy specifically. Like, I didn't build a Forky, but I did, like, turn part of my room into Endor once. Uh, not once, for an extended period of time. It's as... it's still that way, right? Not anymore, but it was, <laughs> yeah, it was for yesterday. a long while. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah I took it down yesterday. It just based on this contest. 33-year-old Aaron just took it down yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I, I converted my attic into a Connects theme park, but oh, that was wow. just building building the various rides that the Connects instructions told you to build. Mm-hmm. So I had the Connects roller coaster, I had the Ferris wheel, the help you to buy multiple packages to make something really cool. Yeah. <sighs> well, thanks, question. Your favorite comedy duos in an animated feature? Justin has Mike and Sully, uh, and Irene has. I'm not sure if Timon and Pumbaa count since they once called themselves a trio in a song. But I always think of them as a duo, and they were a duo for quite a while. Yeah, I mean, when you refer to them, you think Timon and Pumbaa. You don't think Timon, Pumbaa, and Simba. So, I mean, well, he left them too. What a jerk! Yeah, that that that's the takeaway from that movie. <laughs> I can see what's happening. What? They don't have a clue. I mean, they came Ooh. with them back to the Pride Lands, <laughs> and, were pro- and were presu- and were promptly eaten by the lions. But you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, other animated comedy duos. Uh, Wallace and Gromit. Well, there you go. That is fantastic. That yeah. I can't even top that. I'm, my mind is blown right now. Yeah, I do like um, Spider-Man and Peter B. Parker from Into the Spider-Verse. I like that duo yeah. for that segment yeah. of the film quite a bit. Have you guys ever seen like, a screen still of how much those burgers cost that they eat? No. A lot. But though they pay like in Bitcoin there or something. There's yeah, exactly. It's, like, it's like, like a different form of currency, but it's like, it's like $70,000 or whatever. Oh, Flint Lockwood and Steve the Monkey. Oh, there Flint you go. <laughs> Steve! <laughs> Voiced by uh, uh, Patrick... Neil Patrick Harris. Patrick yeah. Harris yeah. Any any pairing in the, the Cloudy the Jasmine Balls movie yeah. is golden. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, did you ever own any creepy toys? Justin writes, my buddy was pretty creepy. Basically Chucky. My brother had a Teddy Ruxpin. And Mary writes, I had a creepy porcelain doll that scared the crap out of me. Since it was a gift, I felt guilty about throwing it out. I ended up putting it in a shoebox. And hopefully sinking it to the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> this has nothing to do with Paul Rubens, but I did have a Pee Wee Herman uh, pull string toy. <laughs> and it was creepy. Uh, just like it, like sitting at night, like outside, like, nope. And I put, I put that in the closet. <laughs> I was like, I'm not having this. <laughs> Now, the question is, do you still have it? No, I burned it. I'm okay. kidding. I don't have it, though. <laughs> uh, I had no creepy toys. Yeah, no creepy toys for me, either. But I once found a uh, a photo of my, my great-great-grandma, who looks, which is terrifying. It's her as a child. She looks like a, uh, looks like a terrifying, ah, sorry, looks like a terrifying doll. Uh, oh, okay, just, so your grandma was the uh, the old lady from Insidious. Got it. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Parallel thinking, buddy. We've been doing this too long. <laughs> uh, the next question, did you uh, ever really want a toy, got it, and it was actually a letdown? What was it? Michael uh, writes, Tiger handheld LCD games. This is accurate. 
Um, Renee has, my cousins told me when I was five that you could buy a pair of red Superman boots that would make you fly like Superman. She got a pair of red boots. So I, so she got a pair of red boots. Need I say that they were let down? They thought it was very funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a mean trick, Renee. You should, uh, you know, get them back by showing them your bank statement. And now you got a, like a billion dollars. Uh, Jeff has the power glove for NES. It looks so cool in the ads and in that movie, The Wizard. But when I got it, it was basically just a lot of money for a controller uh, attached to a glove. And lastly, Justin has Nintendo, Nintendo Virtual Boy. Um, that's a lot of great references for the video game stuff, for sure. Yeah. I had some Tiger Hand. I had an Aladdin Tiger Handheld game. Great. Because yeah. they had great commercials, for sure. Uh-huh. Um, the best I can think was getting Darth Maul's double lightsaber toy. Mainly, mm-hmm. mainly because as a lightsaber, you think, well, surely it goes all the way into the handle. Why wouldn't it? But instead, like the like one part of the red part, like still sticks out the end of the handle. And because it was Darth Maul's lightsaber, that means two red things stick out the end of the handle. So I was like, well, that's kind of <laughs> lame. Like it doesn't go all the way in. <laughs> like, <it's> like... <laughs> uh, I always wanted a hamster. I know it's not a toy, but I always wanted a hamster. Uh, and I never got. I never had a pet as a child. And it's all I, all I ever wanted was a pet. We and really one... need to dive into Jay's. <laughs> you have no idea. Yeah, exactly. uh, well, <laughs> and uh, w- one year for Christmas, I think I was fifteen for Christmas. I didn't get a hamster. I got a a motorized uh, chipmunk in a plastic. Pool. No, um, no, fe- no fecal cleanup. Well, uh, it it did not survive falling down the stairs. Uh, <laughs> that was very disappointing, and I, I yeah. That's a sad childhood. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, here's a hug. <laughs> pat, pat. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, you're welcome. Our um, our next question: What are your favorite moments from the entire Toy Story series? Justin writes: Toy Story three, when they're all falling into the pit, they hold hands and look at each other with such sad realization of acceptance. Mary has when the mom walks to Andy's room before he leaves for college. And mm. Michael Lee, friend of the show, writes, So long, partner, which is the end of Toy Story 3. Mm. I pointed out the, <laughs> the, the death moment, the, the incinerator moment. That is one of mine. Um, These are all very dark. Mine is very, like, bright. Well, I was going to I was going to go with a contrast as well. I do yeah. think, like, uh, Toy Story 2, it, it, yes, it has that Jesse thing, but it also has some great comedy bits, including when they have to cross the road, which I think is actually <laughs> a oh, with the yeah. Ones? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, two of my favorite moments. One of them is um, in Toy Story at the end, the first one, where Buzz uh, does uh, turn on his uh, wings and he says, "I'm falling with style because he's just—it's actually a really cool scene. They finally make it back to Andy's car. Um, and then the other one is uh, in Toy Story three, where Potato Head doesn't have a body mm-hmm. and he's using like pita bread. And I remember like laughing, like I was laughing so hard I was tearing up in the theater, and it was fucking fantastic. You would not believe what I have been through tonight. <laughs> Just yeah, uh, for me, like for me, it's all Toy Story three, the whole thing. Uh, but I love the the opening, like I love how the, all the first three. The opening uh, is spectacular. Toy Story, in Toy Story yeah, oh how, how the first three are all like they're all playtime, like, and the third one is is so. So self-referential to the other two films, it's uh-huh. it's basically a recreation of the placeline from the first one, but with added elements. And it's just like you know the the dinosaur that eats force field dogs and the death by monkeys. It's just a, just a phenomenal sequence. Um, 
that might be the highlight of the whole thing for me. What, and what, just the whole what, prison escape thing. What um, got me in yes. that that opening sequence of Toy Story three is when Potato Head says "Money, money, money." And I'm like, oh, my money, God. money, money. <laughs> this is, this is such <laughs> a great opening line to the yeah. film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Classic Don Rickles. R.I.P. All right. Yeah. Uh, now we move to questions. Uh, Aaron, did you name yours? You did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now we move to questions for the panel here today. Alessandro asks us, "Who is your favorite Toy Story character, and has your answer changed over the course of the four movies?" I tend to say Slinky, mm-hmm. but Slinky's not really a factor in the fourth movie at all, really. Besides, like the beginning, I'm trying to think of anything else Slinky does in the rest of the film. Um, he just slinks around. Yeah. Uh, over the course of the four movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, Woody's such a great character. Like, it's hard to I mean, get away from that. Yeah, Woody's my dude. Uh, just I've, solid. I've been through phases of not liking Woody, just because he's well, he's a, he's a very well developed character, but just mm-hmm. because of the more negative aspects that he that he portrays, yeah. like he is the reason for many of the things that go wrong throughout yeah, he's the, the franchise. Yeah, the impetus of so much plot. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it, like what you guys said, he's very selfish and he is very, like, he can become uh, arrogant at times. Yeah, like the, the fourth one is just him making screw up after screw up and like other characters having to fix it. Uh, but I think my my favorite, I'd, I'd love Ham. My my wife tells me that I am very similar to Ham <laughs> in, in just how he speaks and how he always corrects people and ha- like spouts random facts that are useless. Uh, <laughs> he also maybe, when, when, is very When they're in the trash bag in three and he's like, it's triple ply high density polyethylene. It'll never break. <laughs> just, that's, just, that's how I speak generally, apparently. <laughs> um, I, I yeah. also like when he's flipping through the channels, he's like, it's too late. I can't I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, go around again. Go around the horn again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but from what logic? <laughs> just go to the next button. The next Rex button might make me laugh the most consistently. Um, yeah, I'm trying to... He roars his, his wallet, Sean, saying, Rawr! Well, just in ter- just like his reactions to things. I'm never not laughing when Rex is around. Should we be panicking? Yeah. yeah. He also has a great line in Toy Story 4. He's like, look how long those arms are. <laughs> He's the only one jealous of how forky looks. <laughs> uh, I love Mr. Pricklepants. Uh, just He's, he's your theater. Timothy Dalton. He's your theater I think. coach. He's, just, yeah, he's, he's an, an actor toy. Um, just he's very pompous, and it's, it's Timothy Dalton as a felt hedgehog wearing lederhosen. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> when you when you say it like that, <laughs> it's just a funny image. <laughs> the most underseen character has to be the shark from Toy Story One. Howdy, Where did howdy, he go? <laughs> Was he lost in the move? I I just assume so. It's just, it's howdy, a shame. howdy, 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 howdy. <laughs> uh, not gonna... a toy, but I love Buster. Oh, uh, yeah, the dog. Mm-hmm. Sad that he wasn't in the flashback where, yeah, at the start of Toy Story 4. Oh, I guess... Buster's, yes. Buster's going to be a bit old <laughs> by the time 4 comes Yeah, around. I didn't expect him to... Like, but he could have been in the flashback at the True. start where he's... When it's yeah, playtime. Played with him, yeah. All right. Yeah. Next question here is from Justin. My friend and I are about to start our own movie podcast. What pointers would you give to someone starting out? Well, first off, good on you. We'll yeah, good on you. Welcome! Yeah, welcome, welcome to hell. Welcome to hell. <laughs> uh, pointers. Let's see. Um, you say you have a friend that is going to start it with you. Make sure you and your friend want to do this for weeks on end and put in the work to keep doing it, because that's a huge part of it. That's why Abe and I are able to do this because we want to keep doing it. Like that's 
weird. That's and I, yeah, and the biggest thing that I would say is uh, this is the the reason why I looked into starting hours was just just be your own, use your own voice. You know, it doesn't have to be. I again, I was always like weirded out when I listened to a podcast. The first time I listened to one that was like way different from like a Roger Niebuhr style, where it's like prim and proper, and they were talking about movies and and all this other uh, deep stuff and. The other guys are just having a lot of fun. I was like, this is how I speak normally. So have your own voice, man, and uh, enjoy it. I, I would suggest um, try and pick – when you pick what your podcast is going to be on, try and be specific uh, or like or be, or be try and aim for something in particular, like covering a certain kind of thing. Because uh, on my show, on the Lambcast, we tend to uh, hit a lot of different topics, a lot of different ways, and – that's not the most the best way to get a consistent fan base. I've found mm-hmm. uh, you get some episodes dealt with far more downloads than others. Um, so Aaron Apier have got a, a kind of a, a weekly looking at the new releases show. That's great. What well, we occasionally do that on the Lamcast, but we also do older films or a draft or a game, and it's just it's a bit all over the place, a bit scattershot. And so I would say if you can, if you've got something that you you and your friend both really like. Um, a bit more specific, aim for a niche. That way, you won't get everyone listening to it, but you'll get a more dedicated fan base. There you right. go. Yeah. I also thought the Lambcast was about hooved animals, but I guess <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Only occasionally. I'm not oh, saying okay. never. Also, edit, edit, edit the audio as best you can. This is true. It's easy. To, it's easy to do. It means you it means you have to listen to the show before you go out, but don't release stuff unedited, please. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> there's but have too fun. many people coughing on podcasts. Of <laughs> I've, I've listened to a show where halfway through, uh, one of the hosts received a phone call. That's just okay, rude. and they left it in. And during that person's phone call, the other guest also received a phone call. <laughs> so there's this two minute gap of silence, or like half of a conversation here and there, and then the show continues. Like it would have been. Really, quite easy to take that out. Yeah, it's. And uh, it's I stopped listening to that show not long after that. Highlight and cut. Take that, this American life. <laughs> <laughs> Ira Glass, you monster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was trying not to use names, Aaron. Damn. Jeez. We're gonna get the we're gonna get a cease and desist from NPR. But I would yeah, I would emphasize having fun with it is a big part of it. I mean, if you yeah, if, if you don't want to do it then there's not a reason to do it. But if you want to and you want to have fun with it, keep doing it. Like you, you only get better at it as time goes on. Trial and error will help you with editing and figuring out how to do all the specifics or whatnot. But you want to want to keep doing it. Yeah. Um, and remember, it's, 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 a, a limited it's a hobby. Series. <laughs> so, yeah. It's a six-part episode. It's, it's, it's a hobby. Like, yeah. It can become a business, but it should be seen as a hobby. So if it becomes problematic and you're like missing spending time with your family for doing a podcast, then you're probably doing it wrong. That's absolutely correct. All right. Well, good question, Tristan, and good luck. Yeah, yeah. good luck. Yeah. If you let Aaron and Abe know the name of your show, they'll promote it. I've decided for them. Thank <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, that was out now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Let's move on now to Out Now Presents What's Out Now, these movies that are coming out on Blu-ray, DVD, streaming, and all that. And let's go through the home releases first here. First up is Dumbo. No, you can you can pass. Yeah, you, I did. You, 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 That's you good know. on you. <laughs> uh, next is The Aftermath. This is one with Keira Knightley, Jason Clark, and Alexander Skarsgård. It was like a World War II 
drama, like world Sound, romance. Sounds drama. like a solid dramatic cast. If I had to guess, I'd say Jason Clark is probably like a cuck in that movie, like he normally is. But, yep. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen it, but I've seen the trailer, and that's exactly what happened. Interesting. I got, I got the Blu-ray sent to me for review. I'm like, well, I didn't request this, so I'm not going to review it for one thing. But I'm like, eh, do I need to see Jason Clark get like <laughs> get moved out of his own life again, <laughs> like as he normally does? It seems. Uh, let's see what else uh, on uh, specialty release this week. Speaking of Steve Coogan, 24-hour party people gets on Blu-ray for the first time. Oh, DVD. Nice. Heard I good things. A, I'm a huge fan of that movie. That's one of my favorite like music biopic type movies but it's very mm-hmm. funny if you like the trip movies it's from michael winterbottom it's the same director like it's, it's just steve coogan doing this thing you know except it's based off a real true story mm-hmm. uh, let's see the spanish prisoner this is a david mamet film with campbell scott and steve martin it's a good con movie um it's coming out on blu-ray for the first time i'm a fan of it right uh, on kino this week david lynch's lost highway is out which David Lynch is apparently not happy about as far as how it was handled in its release. He's been very open about that on Twitter. Um, on Scream Factory, we have Eli Roth, The Green Inferno, and Night of the Creeps, which is a that's a Fred Decker film from back in the 80s. That's a, that's a good one. If you're a fan of films like Slither, Night of the Creeps is a movie that's very much directly inspired that film, among others. Uh, let's see, on Warner Archive, Gaslight, an old film noir. On uh, Criterion, we have War and Peace and Hedwig and the Angry Itch. And uh, let's see, Cinderella Signature Edition comes out from Disney this week, as well as oh, as well Signature as the, Edition. Yeah, I know, as well as the live action Cinderella in 4K for the first time. So, well, it's nice to be, because remember back in the day when they had VHSs, it was just like oh, the Disney Vault type mm-hmm. stuff. So I was like, now a signature edition? Interesting. Yeah, it's, it's all they all still come in and out of the vaults, but yeah, they they label mm-hmm. their various new editions. There's the platinums and the golds, and now we have signatures for a lot of <laughs> releases. Uh, let's see, new to streaming this week on Netflix. Um, all of Neon Genesis Evangelion is on uh, Netflix now for fans of that anime series. Um, mm-hmm. I'm excited to rewatch that. I haven't seen that in years, but I'm like, oh, cool, it's in HD on Netflix. Yes, I will do that. Um, let's see, Dark Season 2. I believe that's a German uh, TV series that has a lot in common with Stranger Things, of all things. Um, I know there are a lot of fans of the first season, so the second season's out now. Uh, let's see, Mike Epps, only Mike, new stand-up special for Mike Epps is out this week. Hmm. And Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is going to be on Netflix starting this week as well. It was uh, one of the best movies of the last year. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. On Prime this week, you have Juliet Naked. That's the uh, Ethan Hawke, Rose Byrne, and Chris O'Dowd romantic comedy. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, that's it for stream. That's, yeah, that's out now. Let's move on to next week's show. Next week, we might have a doubleheader, eh? We got Yesterday and Annabelle Comes Home coming out next week. What can I say? One of them I'm looking forward to watching. The other one I'm probably going to... Oh, I've heard good things about Annabelle, but I'll probably be uh, cringing in my seat. I, as one who really liked Annabelle Creation, as in it's my favorite Conjuring film, I am excited to see Annabelle Comes Home. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I've definitely heard fun things about it. But, uh, yeah, so we got a, got a couple movies. We'll see what we do. Um, and the last thing we do here, what should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next? Jay, what should people see in theaters right now? What? I mean, Toy Story 4. But <laughs> they should also not go to theaters. They should stay home and watch Chernobyl. There you, yeah, there you go. Five, is that five-part or six-part miniseries? Five. Five-part. Five gloriously depressing parts. Well, it's it's less depressing. It's actually it's just really really interesting and informative. Really informative, yeah. Yeah. 
it there's a there's a there's dread throughout it certainly because of just especially the first like three episodes <laughs> yeah you kind of yeah you, you know where has, it's going the fourth one has the pets thing right they think oh so, yeah. yeah christ the fourth, the fourth one is one of the most depressing things you'll ever see yeah um fortunately they don't show it in too much detail but yeah it's not fun but it's still worth watching what are uh, you seeing next <laughs> uh spider-man far from home it's probably the next thing Ooh. i'm seeing all right it's going to see spider-man coming to see me in london and hopefully leaving it in more intact than most big budget films tend to well, i think he's going to take down that fake london bridge you guys have over there <laughs> the fake London Bridge. Not the not the original London Bridge. Not the one that's in Arizona. No. Yeah. <laughs> not the real not the true blue one. <laughs> but there's hey. a lot of bridges in London. We can spare another one. Oh, okay. That that's good to know that there's more there's than There's a lot one. of ways to get across the Thames. It's fine. So every movie We're taking what... the eye next, Jay. Yeah. The eye. The eye is terrible. He's welcome to it. It's a giant overpriced Ferris wheel that costs a bloody fortune is really slow this actually makes me all just like bummed out to realize that there's multiple ways to get or to cross the the river it's most because in all the movies that i've seen once they blow up that bridge it just <laughs> seems like it's impossible to to cross but well telling me I mean, that there's like 47 other bridges there's probably 47 but there's, there's quite a few and also the thames is it's so full of rubbish you could probably walk across it at this point <laughs> i think it's it's not it's barely water got it okay so don't jump in no, don't. And definitely don't drink it. Noted. Uh, I would recommend watching Toy Story 4. And next, um, I am looking forward to yesterday, but if we are going to do double feature, then I guess I, I'm going to be also watching Annabelle Comes Home. Good. <laughs> I want us to do a double feature just for that contrast. Um, yeah, uh, what should people see now? Uh, Toy Story 4 godzilla is still out there uh the dead don't die i think is a lot of fun if you're into what it's selling and if the last black man in san francisco is out in your theater go see it because it's, it, it's my not. favorite film of the year so far so there's reason not to it's really great and uh, what am i seeing next annabelle and spider-man those are those are that's what's on tap this week and uh i'm excited for both and uh yeah with all that said that's gonna do it for this week's episode of out now with Aaron and abe you can find more of my work on my personal blog, the code is Zeke. All my stuff can be found there, and you can find all my reviews over at What Was So Blue and We Live Entertainment. I'm also on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can also find me over at Instagram at Abe.Mua and Twitter.com slash Smooth. Hashtag I found my moving buddy uh, and sub640 the podcast. Jake Lewitt, where can people find more of you online? Uh, my site is Life vs. Film, lifevsfilm.com. It's Life vs. Film. Not a lot happens there. Most of what I do is over on the Lamb site, largeassmovieblogs.com. See, I've said before on this show, it's a, a massive online community of movie blogs. If you have a movie blog and are not a member, then please come join us. You can find it at largeassmovieblogs.com. Uh, we have the, the Lambcast, which is the Lamb's podcast. It's a weekly show where we cover various different aspects of film. This week's show is on Toy Story 4, wouldn't you know it? There you uh, go. Next- Next week, we're looking at films from 1989. Uh, last week, we did the Shaft franchise. I wasn't mm. on that show because um, that didn't come out near me. <laughs> the Shaft did not get a UK release. Oh, well, uh, I think I'm okay with that. Um, but yeah, you can find me on, on Twitter at Life vs. Film or at Lambcast. And thank you for having me on the podcast. Well, for sure. Uh, you can, I am uh... eternally grateful. It is our pleasure. Yeah. You can find all the other episodes about Now with Our Name on iTunes, Audio Boom, Spotify, and Stitcher. 
You also find us over at SoundCloud, Podomatic, or AJHWLOD. Feel free to email us any thoughts you might have had about our show and anything we talked about this week at outnotpockets at gmail.com. Or you can write it on Facebook while Facebook.com slash outnotpodcast or tweet at us at twitter.com slash podcast. And there's our Instagram page as well, which is also outnow underscore podcast. And, of course, send plenty of scary clown gifts or ventriloquist <laughs> or, gifts. Or, or just McDonald's gifts, so thank you for that. Or McDonald's photos, thank you for that. But especially scary clown gifts at outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. And, of course, get in your contest entries, too. Favorite Godzilla villain and, uh, and you know, a little, little reason why. Uh, is there an end date on that? Uh, month, this month. This is month. Is the idea. So get those entries in. Uh, yeah, Jay, thanks again for joining thank us. Thank you, we, Jay. We're glad to have yeah, you. Thank you. Anytime. Yeah. yeah. Had a good time. Yeah. Well, we have a friend in you, and until next time, uh, that's good. <laughs> so until then, so long. And goodbye. I was a lonesome cowboy, lonesome as I could be. You came along and changed my life, fixed what was broken in me. I was a lonesome cowboy. I didn't have. I have a question. Yes. Uh-huh. Actually, I have all of the questions. That's my best Kristen show. <laughs> I have a question. Well, actually, not just one. I have all of them. I have all the questions. <laughs> <laughs>